Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust Morebeer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Good afternoon to you, and welcome back to the Brewcasters. Another Sunday for us, Doc and Daniela. Yeah. Yeah. Still alive. And With beer schnapps. That's right. Doc brought in beer schnapps today. Yep. What a coincidence, too, Doc. Someone in the during the Blues show was telling me they were listening to our New Year's show, I guess the first show we did, mm-hmm. and was saying... All he had to say about it was, very funny show, you should get Doc drunk more often, <laughs> and um, I really want some of that schnapps, was his other one. So, well, yeah, well, you, t- you tasted this one, you're mm, yummy. This one's even, uh, this one's better. The, the, the one we had that day, I think, was somebody's home distilled schnapps. Um, yes. Which doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, it was good, it was too. Good. But I'm a big sissy when it comes to the, to the liquor, yeah. so it, that one was a little stronger. This one we're drinking today is a commercial one. Yeah, and it's still 80 proof. Is it? Yeah. It's good. But it's, it's uh, distilled uh, Sierra Nevada. Oh, okay. Dog is making up for last week. Yeah. Yes. You said you would, too. <laughs> Trying so, to get uh, my drink on here. <laughs> How did the sleep test go? Oh, it, it sucked on a lot of different levels. If you've not uh, tuned into last week's archive yet, Doc, it was the first time ever that, and God forbid this ever happens to me on a show, by the way, but the first time ever Doc couldn't drink during the show. Yep. Had to keep it, keep it clean. What a mess that was. Oh, I didn't like it. All day long. <laughs> Then I had to come in here, and there's all this beer you guys were tasting. That looked, oh yeah, and I could smell it. You know, and I had <laughs> and I had gone out and bought so much good stuff that day too, and 
I drank it all during the week. Uh, You said you would. Yeah, but I bought us a couple new ones. Oh, good. So don't worry. You said you would, too. And we still have two Polaner in the fridge. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. So plenty of beer to drink. Today's show is an exciting show, folks, not just because we have plenty of beer to drink. Uh, We're going to do a listener tasting, which we haven't done in a while. I'm excited about that. We've got two... Really big announcements for he, you guys. But he's busting at the seams on this one. And I got to wait on him, too. I'm not going to do it right now. He's barely even told me. Yeah, Doc hardly knows the details. I had to of call him last things. night. Said, What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off getting these things worked worked out. And they're still not entirely worked out, but but they're worked out enough that I know they're both happening, and I know when they're happening, and we're going to tell you all about it during today's show. So they're inked. I'm excited. They're inked. And uh, you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised, folks at home, about uh, what's happening around here. So, so just hang in there with me. I'm not going to do it right now. I might do one announcement before we take the break at 5.30, and then another one when Colin's done at 6.30. All right. If I can even wait that long. <laughs> yeah, bleed that out a little Can bit. I tell the chat folks already? No. no what are you, nuts? <laughs> can't tell anybody. They were asking me for hints this morning. I was like, I can't even give you a hint. Yeah, they guess right now that JP is coming out of the closet. Oh, uh, <laughs> crap. I guess we're not waiting until 630. <laughs> All right. Well, that's only one of them, though. So there's still another surprise. They're going to have to guess that one. Uh, they asked me if I was actually like really coming out of the closet this morning, but nope, nope, not. Uh, it's nope. Nice, it's nice and cozy in there. Like, That's right. I'm staying right where I'm at. Uh, other than those two great announcements that are going to get you guys all fired up, like I am too. Uh, we got Colin Kaminsky back in the show with us today. That's the a good thing. Doctor Evil, as I like to call him. <laughs> and uh, but this time we're not doing the water. We're doing finings and beer clarity is today's show in general. Yeah. Doc is going to cover filtration because that's, uh, well, he does some findings, too, and we'll let him talk about that during the discussion. It's a lot of how and why, and and the why is real important, more than just the how. And Colin, I I got just a brief tutorial from him over the telephone. and and Your eyes rolled back. Yeah, which is, (laughs) hence the brief. He heard it on the other end of the phone as I about fell over. But he was telling me that, look, you know, it starts starts in the hot liquor kettle. And then goes through every part of the process mm-hmm. when you're doing findings. And he is such a mad scientist about these things that he doesn't have a standard finding procedure. He tests each part of the process and then chooses his finding tools accordingly, yeah. which is just going to lead to a wealth of knowledge about how we can find our beer at home in order to get the most yeah. clarity. If you know why, you can uh, apply the tools to make it work out instead of just throwing something at it. Wondering even why you're doing it. Right. Like I would do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because you said to. Yeah. And, and Throw he, some of that in there. That's right. Somebody said to, so here it is. Uh, and then he also is sort of a, you know, like Doc said, likes to find out what tools there is and then use them accordingly. He is the master of the tools. He wrote an article not too long ago in Brew Your Own, yeah. which is why I went to him for this. It's a nice article. And then he told me. You know what? That article's nothing compared to what I've learned since I wrote it. Yeah, cause it's been probably two years now since uh, that okay. was in there. It was a while ago. So, yeah. Well, there was, I know, a short one not too long ago that both him and Matt Brindleson, yeah, they, uh, they kind of they went back and dueling banjos on yeah. a findings article. That one, the one was a couple of years ago. It's pretty big. It's okay. two, three pages. Gotcha. And uh, it, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. What causes it, where it is, how to get rid of it, why you even need to get rid of it. Right. Okay. 
Well, he's going to come on, and he's going to spend an hour with us. That's all we get with him today, so we're going to have to be nice. We'll try to get your questions in early. He's going to be on from 5.30 to 6.30, which is why there's no tasting today. We're just going to get through it with him, and then we'll take a little break, and then we'll get into filtration with Doc and how you can do that at home. And I know we've covered that before, and one of Doc's Gadget Corners covered that too, but it really goes with the topic and allows us to finish off right. our, our whole six-week run that we've been doing about all the little parts so I, I'll get I'll get into how far down to filter, what it'll do to your beer, what it won't do, uh, what you need to do with that. So uh, a lot of questions that can get answered. It'll it'll kind of round it out and finish off the subject. All right, very good. Colin's calling in right now. Actually, maybe he wants to do a little test. Hey, Colin, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You sound great. Oh, good, perfect. All right, you want to call us back in uh, 20 minutes, and we'll do. Well, I just introed you too. I just told everybody all about you. You've got. Uh, Great ESP. Oh, well, awesome. Perfect. All right. So you want to call us back? 20 minutes. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. And you know what? It won't be 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Not with Colin. I better get moving. (laughs) (laughs) No lagging on this intro. That means maybe no announcement in the first segment. We might have to wait. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. All right. In lieu of the exciting announcements that I have today... And because I always read all of the negative stuff that gets sent to us, uh, especially about me. (laughs) Yeah. This week was a little strange because not only are all these good things happening that we get to announce, but it must have been in the air because I got sent some of the nicest emails that the Brewing Network has ever gotten. and Even for you? Even for me. One of them in particularly for me. In fact, I almost wept when I read the damn thing. Now, of course, I'm a big sissy, like the, so that's yeah, not saying say you much. would. <laughs> but it was real nice. And so I'm going to read a couple of nice emails that we got for a change. How about that? Strange okay. enough. Can you guys handle that? Strange but true. <laughs> this one starts, Justin, you know talent hack. <laughs> but then he says, no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not anonymous, Jamil. I just wanted Damn. to drop a line and say that I really enjoy what you folks are doing and to keep it up. I found your site from a post on a forum, which was Tasty Brew, that I used about six months ago and dropped in to check it out. And by the way, we can, uh, I assume, thank Beer Pal for that, all that posting Good. he used to do for us. Yeah, he surfaced again, by the way. Good. I want to. I want him to call in or do something. Yeah. I missed the guy. Yeah, I saw him uh, last week. He surfaced again. boy. He's out from under the boats. Yep. I don't get a chance to listen to your broadcast live, as Sunday evenings are pretty busy around the house with two grade school-age kids, but I'm a religious listener through the archives. My wife gives me the funniest look when she sees me laughing my ass off while mowing the lawn as I listen on my MP3 player. I find your mix of information, education, and entertainment to be a great combination. The broadcasts have become more polished each week. I think the combination of shows you are generating is great, too. The mix of information and entertainment on Sunday show keeps it light and makes it fun. The compactness and focusness of the Jameel show makes it great for when I want to work on the craft brewing of a particular style. Hell, even lunch meat has been informative the few times I've had a chance to listen. You see what I'm saying? I don't know what's happening this week, but people are saying the weirdest things. Very nice. And uh, here we go. This is one that uh, made me cry. So uh, one other thing that uh, I think you've brought to the rest of us there is a chance to watch you evolve as a brewer. 
Your growth in skill, knowledge, and process has been documented through your discussions during the brewcasts, and I think that it can be a real help to others who may be intimidated by trying to take the next step. It's been an interesting evolution for me to follow as you've gone from basics to a much more complex operation and are enjoying the benefits in your beer from those advances. I've been at it three years, but my evolution has been much slower than yours, so it's almost hard to remember that those first extract-only beers tasted like compared to the all-grain batches I do now. Listening to you go through that process brings back some of the memories of my past and some of the flavor issues I dealt with while advancing my process. I've even shared some of my downloads with a brewing buddy who's just beginning to make the leap forward in process to full wart boil as a guide on where and how to make and improve his process. Thank you from Stuart. How about that, huh? That's nice. That is cool. And I'll tell you, Stuart, the the, re- the thing that I really like that, and it is it is very flattering, is that when I started dreaming up the show and and was thinking of the cast of characters that would be on here, that really was supposed to be my role is to be kind of the dummy and ask the dumb questions because I had just started brewing, and then hopefully to evolve as a brewer and and, and kind of go through that with our listeners who were beginners like me. So I think that's cool that he kind of noted that it's coming out that way, I guess. Yeah, because uh, when you started, you know, you barely could throw stuff into a pot. That's right. And it was a small pot at that. Yeah. Now i got a real big one. <laughs> <laughs> and I throw a lot more stuff into it. And yeah, but come on, good. let's face it. Your beer has always been good. Except yeah, for one batch. One batch. Yeah. <laughs> well, just look at the people that you're surrounded by as far as the people the the guests we have in here and everything else that's right when you it's like being in a big library and just the wealth of knowledge you know some of these brewers that come in here sometimes i just sit there and just listen and i just shut up because right what they're just pumping into the info it's just great it's just awesome and you know kind of along with that sometimes i can't even pay attention because i'm doing so many things and i think i still learn like through osmosis just because i'm lucky enough to be in the room with these guys yeah so well, you can walk away with uh, one or two pearls yeah awesome so that was very cool here is one that came through last week it's a long one i'm gonna kind of just get to the good part yeah let me skip through it but basically um He's a junior at the American University in Washington, D.C., but he's studying abroad in Belgium, in Brussels. Did you read that last week? Specifically. I don't know if I did read the whole thing. I think it was a different one. Same. I remember the guy. He was over there. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. He's talking about the beer renaissance, renaissance and how someday we might be viewed as one of the great leaders in spreading the word. Did I read that? I don't remember reading that. I think so. I thought I, I read all crappy it. stuff. No, I think you're right. Ah, screw it. All right. Well, thanks for the nice words from last week, then. <laughs> and then finally, just to round everything out, the Vinnie Puppet wrote us. Ooh, what? Yeah. Ooh. The title of the email was, You Suck. <laughs> <laughs> the content of the email is, The Title Says It All. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all the Vinnie Puppet Vinnie Puppet getting angry and angry. He's got his felt in a ruffle, man. <laughs> Well, now I'm bummed because I had like four really nice emails and I picked out those two of all of them and one of them I already read. What a tard. Now you can, now you yeah. can send a bunch of stupid emails when we come back <laughs> about how... Uh, well, now you just want there. some time, though. <laughs> yes, just a little back step there. All right. How about some quick news? And we might actually get to one of our announcements if I can get through the news here real quick. You know about this big beer festival in Estonia, Daniela? You ever heard of that one? In Estonia? Yeah. Just because I'm from Europe, it doesn't mean that I travel all over the place. No, I know, but I'm asking because it's the second largest beer festival in Europe, second only to Oktoberfest. In Estonia? In Estonia. It's 
the largest beer festival in the Baltic states. The Old Summer Festival in Estonia is about to get even bigger. Beer fans will be delighted to hear that the Old Summer, which is Europe's second largest beer-a-thon, <laughs> a runner-up only to the Oktoberfest in Munich, is adding to its attractions. A new stage is being added to the bill of the festival at Tallinn, which runs between July 5th and the 9th and will bring a new dimension of live music to the popular fest. The Old Summer Festival regularly attracts more than 80,000 revelers and drinkers every year, and now boasts a world music stage to add to the entertainments provided by the main Estonian music stage. Scores of acts will perform at All Summer, playing a wide selection of music, including Estonian national music, rock, jazz, reggae, hip-hop. Drinkers can flip between zones at the festival, from the pop and rock on the main stage to traditional Estonian culture, including including learning about handcrafts and the cuisine in the folk zone. Oh, yeah, and that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then it says, providing you have not been drinking too much, you can also enjoy a spot of go-karting or paintballing, which, by the way, I think would just be great like, to get all hammered and go paintballing. Dr- drunk paintball, yeah. <laughs> How cool would that be? I've never t- heard of that festival. You've not? But, I mean, the dimensions seem to be rather small, because if you compare it to the Oktoberfest, 7 million people attend the Oktoberfest, and it goes over... 15 days, I believe. Mm. And the 80,000 attend that one, that's, I don't know. I think well, we have a bunch of beer festivals like that, actually. That are larger than 80,000? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good for Estonia, though, because that's a tiny country with maybe only like 100,000. Yeah. And they're, all, and they're all at the beer fest. <laughs> yeah, they're all, exactly. Well, maybe this is all propaganda, just trying to get people out there. And I'm happy to read it for that anyway, because <laughs> that's, that's why I was reading it. We so often cover... Things going on here in the U.S. I just thought I'd cover a festival. No, going and it's on good to there. cover something from Estonia. You know, we don't talk about those countries too often. That's good. It says it's ideally located right next to the seaside. The festival is providing partygoers with a chance to ease off the booze and relax on the beach. Mm, how pretty! Have you guys ever tried Estonian why have, beer? Why can't you do both? Uh, yeah. You have? Uh, yeah. Was it any good? I don't remember. <laughs> tell you this well, it was strong then. <laughs> Maybe not good, but it was strong. No, that or was it was you know. Late not, in the not memorable. All right. Uh, so you know about the Budweiser World Cup battle, Daniela? About what? Well, Bud remember, World Cup. quite a while ago, uh, we were talking, we did a news story about how Budweiser was, they're the main sponsor of the World Cup. And oh, they yeah. were saying that exactly. no other beer but Budweiser could be sold. Which exactly. Europeans were getting real pissed about. Well, the, the story that I know, the background is that the FIFA, the soccer organization, didn't want to allow any beer to be sold in the stadium, stadiums right. just for security reasons, which is dumb, but whatever. So, but then they decided so Budweiser out. put up a good fight and actually made them reconsider the decision and allowed Budweiser to sell the beer. Right. Say FIFA, but say FIFA again. <laughs> People still got real pissed because they wanted good beer to be served there. And, and in particular, it, let's assume for a second that Budweiser's great beer. In Europe, they just don't think so. It's a lot lighter than the beer that they're used to having there. So they were real angry. Now, you know, first no beer, and then the only beer they get is not beer that they would consider right. beer. Maybe they should stop, you know, pissing and moaning. <laughs> well, it's there's nothing her but. A compromise has been made. The maker of Budweiser has had to soften its stance on allowing rival products into the World Cup events to avoid turning its sponsorship of the tournament into a public relations disaster. Because, although Bud is America's most popular beer and is once again extending its lead, 
which is which is actually false. This comes from the New Zealand Herald. Um, they're not extending their lead as the most popular beer in America, just to let you know. It is just uh, too weak for German tastes. Local beer drinkers were in uproar over Bud's exclusive deal to supply football grounds and related events during the month-long tournament that starts in June. So now Anheuser-Busch, the parent company, will allow one of the country's most popular... Bitburger to be sold in unmarked glasses in return for a deal to use the Bud name in Germany for the first time ever. Now this is re- now I don't want to overshadow this and move move past it quickly. Budweiser for a long time has been in in a battle with with Budvar over right. in Europe and and they've gone back and forth and both have made legal victories throughout the years and it's really just it, it's led to a stalemate overall. So this is really interesting that Germany is saying, "Okay, we'll let you use the Budweiser name in our country if you let Bitburger be served at the stadium." Right, that is interesting. Well, just as a side note, first of all, Budvar is actually considered being okay beer in Germany. Right. Like people like to drink Budvar. Second of all, there's a huge confusion if Budweiser and Budvar are together are they the same corporation do they just serve different markets with different beer Mm -hmm. so like people don't really understand what the difference is third of all though you guys got to understand beer in sports advertising in germany is huge probably just as big as here and soccer is the biggest event in germany and in all over europe so to lock out the breweries from a sports event like the world cup in our own country is just insane so i understand that one of the biggest breweries just tries to get in there now that's That's right yeah it's money talking it is so much money involved it's unbelievable the soccer sponsoring is huge it it probably doesn't reach the super bowl or the major baseball events but for like soccer it's just really really big uh, and how's your bush isn't looking just to do this they're looking to get a foot in the door over there right they paid 80 million dollars for the rights to be the exclusive alcohol vendor to the 2002 and 2006 tournaments giving worldwide television exposure to the bud brand as it tries to extend sales beyond the u.s so the deal was actually struck back in 98 before germany was even chosen as the host country Mm -hmm. for 2006 so the World Cup appears likely to receive more attention in the U.S. than ever before because the country is fielding a stronger team than usual. Well, I don't see that happening <laughs> yet. I mean, the World Cup is uh, taking place in six weeks. Anheuser-Busch said yesterday it expected the sponsorship of the World Cup to help Bud return to significant growth after a year in the doldrums. The company slashed prices last year in a vicious price war with the Miller brands owned by the London-listed S.A.B. Miller. The price war ended last October, but appears to have tempted back drinkers, and quarterly results yesterday mm-hmm. outstripped Wall Street expectations, but they're still having a hard time. So, just so thought that was an interesting story. That's pretty bad when, you know, you're a staunch Budweiser drinker, and yeah. you know, Miller drops his price a few cents, and I'm going to drink Miller. Right. Right. Man, there's, yes. That's right. N- yeah. No brand affiliation there. So, Bitburger allowed in unmarked glasses. <laughs> That's fine. Still tastes better. You know they're going to sell more Bitburger. Oh, Bitburger's awesome. <laughs> they're going to sell so much more. I'm not so a huge fan of Bitburger. I like Bitburger. I like looking in the glass and it just kind of shines golden. It's yeah. awesome. I think I might actually, if I was at the World Cup, unfortunately I can't go, but if I was, I might even prefer a Bud over a Bitburger. I don't like it. Yeah. So, it's a good thing now. Interesting. All right. Well, there you have it. I got, I think, just enough time. <gasps> Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know which one to do first. Do it. I don't know which one first. Uh, which one? Let's do... Let's do anniversary first. You want to do that one? Yeah. Are you sure? I was thinking, I was thinking the other way. What's going on here? Because the other one awesome. is going to... I think the other one is going to require a lot more feedback. You know? 
And by the way, as we do this announcement, perfect timing. <laughs> Chicken Boy just walked in the room. First time in the studio in, in, in a while. How are you, Skunk Boy? Hey, Chicken Boy. How are you, man? Skunk Boy? You're just in time for the big announcement. Announcement, announcement. So the Brewing Network official one-year anniversary party is all planned and set for Sunday, June 4th. And we are going to be broadcasting live from our first on-location. We are going to leave the studio, take our equipment, take some of our homebrew, hopefully, and we're going to be down at the 21st Amendment in San Francisco, California, broadcasting live. Partying down. In front of a live studio audience. Uh. Sean O'Sullivan <laughs> from the 2-1-A has been nice enough uh. to invite us to his place to do just a real big to-do there. And wreak havoc. And Doc, John, he's even going to make us a beer. Wow. Whoa. That's great. He's going to make us a Brewing Network first anniversary beer. Yeah. How about that, huh? As long as I get five gallons. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that that was just real exciting, that not only do we get to celebrate our first year anniversary on location somewhere, but we're going to get our own beer out of Sean O'Sullivan, who's a great brewer. And on top of that, we are inviting all of the guests that have ever been on our show to make it down to the Come conference down. with us. And I think it's going to be a pretty good turnout. We're going to, including the Vinnie Puppet, by the way. I mean all of our guests. <laughs> when I say all of them, I mean all. Wow. Yeah. Well, the weather's awesome around here now. It's great. It was just crap. So you know the guys. You, you all know. You listen to the archives. I'm hoping to get Roger from Drake's yep. out there. I'm hoping Vinny is going to be out there. I'm hoping that we get the Marin Gordon. guys. Uh, Dan Gordon. You know, that would be that'd be great if he can get out there. Uh, we're going to invite them all, and we're going to really kind of push everybody to just come out and celebrate with us, and we can say thank you to them. Yeah, and, get a little mic time uh, in. Exactly. So I will tell you this. Do not expect one single ounce of good homebrewing information during oh, that no. show. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> but a, lot of, it, a lot of slurring. But one hell of a good time. And we're, you know, and all those brewers that are hopefully going to show up and hang out with us, they're all going to get a little mic time. So we're going to get to find out what's happened with these guys. Summer is a big time for the microbrews, and I think especially especially this summer. There's such a buzz going on in craft beer right now. So we'll just find out from each one of those guys what they got going on in their pubs. And, you know, we're just going to have an all-around good time. And what I want is all of you guys that are in the California area, you know, around here, you've been listening for a long oh, time. Can make it. If you can make it from out, I'll tell you this, Oz, our, our first and, uh, and, and, and biggest, not in the physical sense. But, we, don't, uh, we don't know that yet. We yeah, haven't, we, really we haven't him. seen him. Oz is flying out from Australia <laughs> for this thing. He's coming out for a vacation here, and he planned it around our anniversary party. So any one of you, I know that bucks are cheap, but I'm just saying, hey, if you can come, we'll take care of you and have a good time. All of you, you know, maybe you're up in Davis, maybe you're in Chico, maybe you're in Sonoma. I don't know where you are. Humble. Come. Come on down. It's going to be worth the drive. I'm going to get hammered. I'll tell you what. Home, homegrown, come on down. I might even open up our place for the after party. Uh, we'll just get what? a bus and we'll bring everybody back. What the hell? That'd be great. All right, I'm in. <laughs> That'd be awesome. You and know, uh, it's going to be an all-around good time. There's an awesome post here um, in the chat room going on. One of our listeners, our first anniversary yeah. is his 35th in homebrewing, the exact same day. Oh, wow. Isn't that awesome? I'm just asking him where he's from. He has to be on the show. Oh, yeah, maybe we can give him some awards or something. We'll celebrate his anniversary. His is bigger than ours. Five gallons of our beer. Shit, now I think our anniversary is a bunch of crap. I would read the name, but I can't <laughs> pronounce it. So. His name is like Simergist. 
Yeah, a Zymergist, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's nice. up in Oregon. In Portland. Portland. Yeah. Hey, come on down. It's not too far. The date is going to be June 4th. So June 4th, it's a Sunday. Mark your calendars. It is, ex- it, is, uh, it is actually one day early. Our official anniversary is on the 5th, but that's a Monday, and we don't do shows on Monday. might be a Jamil show on Monday. He it can might. celebrate. Um, <laughs> but it's Sunday, June 4th. It's going to be broadcast at the regular time starting at 5 o'clock. And you're going to want to come down if you can. You're certainly going to want to tune in and hang out. And it's really, I'm just real excited about it. I'm excited about it for you guys as well as us because I think it's going to be just a ton of fun. You know, good to, good to meet as many of you as we can and all those brewers again. You excited, John? Very excited. Yeah? One year, man. It's crazy. I didn't think we would make it, actually. So You bastard. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, Danielle in there, I was like, I don't know. You right. know. <laughs> I knew we'd make it. I just didn't think we'd have any listeners. <laughs> that, well, exactly. <laughs> I knew I would be paying for a year, yeah. so I was all set. Talk to ourselves. That'd be fun. <laughs> I was telling Danielle, I think we're going to have to actually rent a van because we got equipment to bring down. We're not going to want to have several designated drivers, and I think we should all just kind of pile into a van, get all the staff in a van. Got Doc, Doc Summer. Get us down there. I know, but then you know we don't. We want to like then get someone else to drive. Like right. Doc's, yeah. Doc's not driving. No, he's not. No, we're gonna be having a good time. <laughs> Who Doc. will though? Natty. What about no. your wife? <laughs> Natty's not. I don't know who's gonna drive. We're gonna find out. We're going to have to... We might have to pay somebody. Oh, we're gonna, <laughs> we'll get the call from the drunk of the week, and he could be DD. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be a good time, and I just... I can't wait. I'll bring my jammies. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to tell you, as good as that announcement is... There's a bigger one. There's a bigger announcement. What? But I'm not doing yes. it now. You guys are going to have to wait. Stay tuned, and I will give you the, the second announcement, which is... When? I don't, I don't know if it's bigger. It's 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 pretty damn big. It's not bigger. I can't do it now because we're not time. I gotta take a break and then Colin's gonna be dialing in. So you guys are gonna have to wait. That one's pretty good though, right? Oh yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll give you more details as the show goes on. Feel free to ask questions and uh, we'll let you know all about it. It's the Brewing Network. We'll be right back with Colin Kaminsky. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. The Brewing Network, saving your life, one beer at a time. Let the parties begin, folks. The first announcement has been made, the anniversary, on location, live from the 21st Amendment in San Francisco, on June 4th. It's going to be one hell of a time. I got Colin just about to call me. And uh, i got to give him the message right now. Doing the old Skype deal. Skype is such a great thing. i just got to give it praise once more. Everybody loves this program. Haven't heard a complaint about it. It's gotten us some great interviews. And we've got Colin to Skype us in this time. Poor guy's got the family commitments. Couldn't make it in the studio as much as he wanted to. Hey, Colin. Hey, how you doing? Doing real good. How are you, buddy? I'm wonderful. All right. Colin Kaminsky from Downtown Joe's, the one I like to call Dr. Evil. <laughs> gave us the water show uh what was it two weeks ago now we did the water show with you colin it, it seems like last night it does <laughs> like for me too because i'm still having nightmares of information uh but it was just a great show and by the way colin i don't know if you've uh, looked at the forum but i've gotten uh, great emails about that show and people just really appreciated and, and liked the info you gave it was it was intense but it was good oh well wonderful i'm glad people uh appreciated it it's it's a lot of work learning about water, but I think it's important. 
You're right. Uh, as Doc said, it might be one of the last things that you need to learn about, but as Colin just said, extremely important to right. take the next level. Well, yeah. like what Colin said when somebody asked him, so how many people, do, how many brewers do you think mess with their water? And Colin said, all of them. <laughs> and, and, and some of them, no, they don't. Well, maybe we preface that with they all should. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Colin, I already gave you the introduction about your article and that you really know this stuff. And uh, I'm going to kind of let you take it. We talked a little bit about an outline, and I think you really know what you're doing. So let's start talking about findings with Colin Kaminsky. Well, uh, uh, I work at a brewery that has no filter. So for us, uh, a consistent product all involves every step of the process because um, we can't um, really fix our mistakes in any timely fashion. It's not that we don't make them. It's that uh, uh, in order for us to fix our mistakes, it takes two or three weeks to let something settle out of the tank. So and when I took the job, I knew that was going to be a problem, and I started doing some research. And it turns out that clarity can be affected by every part of the process. Now, the first place you want to look for clarity problems is actually with the water. Uh, back to the last show. Right. Uh, if you have iron in the water, um, you will have a clarity problem that you will never be able to fix. So that's not going to be an issue for most people because they're on municipal supplies. But uh, if you're in a well, you need to make sure uh, to check your water, make sure there's no iron. So iron is the only factor, really, that you're looking at with the with the the problem of clarity with water? If it's potable, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you can get bacteria problems with it. It'll cause another kind of haze. Yeah. But, yeah, one of the first things, if you're looking at just pure water on it, especially with well water, yeah, iron's going to cause some bigger problems. Okay. See, and I was surprised to hear, I, I guess I'm not surprised to hear that water affects clarity, but the first thing I asked Colin when I when I talked about doing the show, I said, okay, so we'll start about we'll start with the kettle findings, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. It goes way before that. So I like this A to Z thing. Okay, so the first thing is as long as you don't have iron in the water. Yeah, that that's, and, you know, I, I have a friend who has a brewery, Moonlight Brewing, has got tons of iron in their well water. And uh, so they have to deal with it on a daily basis. Okay. Um, and, and but they because they know they have it, there's ways of dealing with it, and we don't need to get into that because most of our listeners won't. Okay. The next, the next place we have to be concerned about throwing a haze is in the mash tun. Okay. Um, if we don't convert all of the starch to sugar, um, then we're going to have a starch haze, and starch hazes are notoriously difficult to deal with. Um, the other thing that can go on in the in the mash tun is we can extract proteins and we can extract tannins. Now, as long as we extract an equivalent amount of both, it's not really a problem because they bind together really well um, and will just clarify pretty much all on their own by settling out. But if you have a lot of protein or a lot of tannins um, alone, you can throw a haze. And if you have a lot of protein, you usually end up with chill haze problems. Uh, tannin hazes usually are just problematic in general. And they can be difficult to filter, too. Okay. So the nice thing about protein hazes is the maltsters now do such a good job that protein hazes aren't really an issue unless you're buying under-modified malt um, or you're doing something way outside the normal range. If you're doing your normal one-hour-long mash with a little bit of recirculation, you're probably taking care of the protein. Mm-hmm. Now, the way to extract tannins in the mash is to let the mash bed dry out and start rinsing 180-degree water over it, trying to get the last of the sugar out. And 
the I don't know the exact chemistry that's involved, but basically the exposure of the husks to oxygen, um, and then with the really hot water, it does a great job of pulling tannins out. And tannins are another cause of haze. But I thought that that was sometimes a procedure that you wanted to do. Uh, of course, I had heard 170 degree water that you then. Well, he's talking about getting the whole mash bed up to 180. Oh, not just the not, sparge water. Not the spar, but the oh, okay. And there's and, there's going to be ta- ta- a lot of tannins in the beer anyway. They're, you're going to extract tannins no matter what. And so, so you're going to have a certain amount of tannins in there, but what Colin's talking about is not getting more than you need. Okay. Or at least, at least eliminating it. What about a batch sparging versus fly sparging? Would you extract more tannins versus the other? Uh, no, you're going to have to explain the terminology. Well, batch sparging where you just you run your mash dry, add Re- hot water back. Refill it, stir refill it. Refill it, stir it up. Yeah. Let it sit, then they- drain it again. The uh, traditional British method would uh, would would not like that, and hmm. and basically in the traditional sparge British uh, sparge, you leave always one inch of water above the mash bed, always. Okay, so that's fly sparging. Okay, that's yeah. Okay. Um, now, just doing that through once probably isn't so bad, but if you look at other forms of uh, sparging. Um, they'll actually rake the bed dry and rinse it with hot water. That's a different kind of problem, and you have to realize that you're going to be extracting tannins and then deal with them later in the stage. Okay. Um, I want to back up for a second because you talked about just convert. The first thing you mentioned was converting the starch into the That's fermentable sugar. We're, we're we're talking about different kinds of hazes that are coming into it. Right. So. What's causing these hazes? Correct. So what I want to know is, is the only remedy for the haze that's going to come out of too much starch and not enough sugar is to make sure you're converting? Or if you screwed up, is there a way to fix that? You see what I mean? In, in, a, in a batch your size now, nah, there's really no way to fix it. Okay. If, you, if you were Budweiser and something went horribly wrong, they might try to introduce an industrial enzyme. Oh, right. And convert it, um, but no. Basically, if you destroy your enzymes before you're finished converting, you're you just throw it away. Okay. All right, and then let me back up again, just because I got some questions from the chat room here. Um, let's do this briefly about the water. Um, what is considered too much iron? I haven't ever had to deal with it, so I'm, okay. I'm expert on that. Um, Moonlight Brewing, Brian would be the best answer, person to answer that question. That'd for. be that'd be a good question for. Uh, the anniversary show if he shows up. Okay. That'd be great. I hope Brian shows up. Because most people don't have to deal with it. And I could look it up to see what what the minimal is. Maybe if we get a chance during the break, Doc will have a look at that for you, and we'll have Daniela enter it back in the chat room, Mm because that's where it came from. Uh, It's in Clerk's book, if you have it handy. Which book, sorry? De Clerk. Okay, in De Clerk's book. Okay, I don't, I don't know if you have that one. Doc, do you understand that question I handed you? That's why I gave yeah, it to you. Yeah, what do you do if your water's too soft? Well, you have to add things back to it. Pretty simple. But you got to decide what you want to add back to it as far as what beer you're trying to target. The, the question says, what do you do if your water's too soft? Okay. And you need to add back brewing salts to it, but you need to know how much you have to begin with and what kind of beer you're going to be trying to brew out of it. Is, is, there's a difference, and, and it will matter what you're going to be putting into it. And then I don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole tangent on the that other was two uh, weeks other. ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And then I'll give you that for later. All right. Go ahead, Colin. Next step. 
Okay, so um, now once we run everything out of the mash tun with whichever method uh, we want to use and get it into the boil kettle, um, this is the boil is really doing the majority of the clarification for us all by itself. And, and what it's doing is it's coagulating the proteins into the tube. Now, if we didn't do that boil, there's nothing we could do. I don't know if you've ever taken a, a sample of chilled wort and, or of wort and chilled it down um, before boil, but it throws a haze like you can't believe. It's murky. Mm. And the reason for that is, is there's still all that protein and, and uh, uh tannins in there from from the sparge and those are all going to coagulate into the in the boil and settle out as trube at the bottom of the kettle so just getting a good a good break in the kettle that's the first thing you the first thing you really have control of as a brewer if you overboil, you end up stirring you end up breaking that trube down and it ends up dissolving back in and if you underboil, you don't create enough of the trube um, hmm. Fortunately, if you underboil, you have a bigger problem with uh, uh, DMS flavors. So you okay. end up rejecting the beer on flavor before you reject it on clarity. Okay, so uh, let's talk about what then is, you know, how are we... Okay, you say you need to get a good boil to get a good break, all right? So it, it Now, is that the the rate in which you bring the wort to a boil, or are we just talking about the length of time that you're boiling your wort? I think it's the vigorously of the boil. It's, it's how vigorous it is? Yeah, vigorously. Daniela, is, <laughs> what is it again? Vigorously. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you just simmer it, it's not enough. Okay. No, no. And in fact, um, what they say in the textbooks is you need a rolling boil. A rolling so it's it's a good thing to just turning and churning in there. If you just have something that's barely simmering, like, yeah. like on my my first or second batch, because I just couldn't get it to go. I went to a full wort boil, yeah, and tried to do it on the stove top, and it just right. It was barely just barely simmering. You could kind of boil, and it kind of wasn't. That was your fruit beer. No, I was I was actually <laughs> just a brown. But. No, I didn't mean flavor wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then when you say overboil, Colin, are you talking about now we can also do it too vigorously or just yeah. Oh, okay. And that's a lot harder. You need a really deep kettle and you need a ton of heat. Um Gotcha. But you can actually get all that stuff to break back down. Um I don't even know what it breaks into. You know, fortunately for me, I don't have to think about that on a daily basis. Um uh, as long as there's nothing wrong, my boil's the same. But the rule of thumb that I always used as a home brewer was that I wanted in a 90-minute boil to have between 15 and 18 percent evaporation. Gotcha. Um, and that always gave me a good break. And when you looked into the boil after about 15 or 20 minutes of boil, you saw big confetti pieces of yeah. uh, of protein starting to coagulate. And that's when you know things are working right. Yeah, it looks a lot like egg drop soup. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it just churned. You can see the stuff starting to kind of come together. That's tasty. Yeah. <laughs> Egg drop soup. So, <laughs> sorry, Daniela. I just grossed her out. <laughs> All right. So you don't want to go too vigorously. So a, a rolling boil is the rule of thumb here. Yeah, rolling boil and, and really, you know, not more than 18% evaporation rate and unless you're trying to change the flavor. Now, how um, can we figure out our evaporation rate? Can I do that by putting the amount of water in my kettle that would be wort so as not to waste a batch and boil that for 90 minutes and find out my rate? Now, do it with 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 wort. Just calculate it every time for about five batches, and okay. you'll get a feel for it. 
Um, and the reason to do it with uh, wart is because what you want to do is you want to, and I use the word wart just because I'm from California. I apologize to those people. Wart. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's uh, what uh, Justin was talking about in the first couple of shows. Yeah. Wart, wart, what? What's wrong with my wart? <laughs> I don't know. Get that fixed. I, I, the person who taught me the word said, you know, everybody says vert. We're in California. We say wart. That's right. <laughs> Except for uh, Daniela. <laughs> so anyhow, the uh, if uh, uh, where were we at? Um, the rolling boil. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> listen to these two stereo. <laughs> All right, go ahead. If, if you uh, uh, if you want to watch what boil a rolling wart boil looks like, you have to see it with the foam and all of the particles in it and everything. If you just try to imagine what a water boil looks like, it doesn't end up looking the same. Okay. So practice, you know, it's, a, it's an example of practice makes perfect. Just practice with every boil, figure out what your evaporation rate is. George Fix did some great studies on the flavor influence of a uh, evaporation rate and um, basically said that anything over 18% tasted like a buck. Hmm. Uh, which was where I set my, when I was communicating with him more often. Uh, it, it, I still communicate with him not as often uh, <laughs> with the old Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> That's great. Uh, um, the, uh, actually, I remember what he told me. It's like, oh, that's what he meant. Um, but if he, if uh, you go over 18%, it, it develops what I consider off flavors for an English ale. Okay. Uh, under 15%, I taste DMS. Hmm. Okay. So I came up with my 15 to 18% number. No, that's a great that's a great way to go. I know I've brewed with John before, and, and we it always comes up the topic of, of DMS between us because I know nothing about it, and he's aware of it. And uh, that's a, it's great to have a formula like that mm-hmm. because otherwise it's kind of like, well, maybe we should boil longer so it doesn't have DMS. Yeah. So that's a great way to, to actually measure that. Well, and and longer is important, um, um, but also you know if you're if you're trying to diagnose the problem, longer helps. More vigorousness helps, um, but also in a in a bigger brewery, if you have a flu, yeah. you have to make sure that everything that condenses in that flu doesn't go back into your boil. Mm-hmm. All that chem, all those chemicals you're driving off the top of that boil, um, you don't want back in um, because DMS, the precursors to DMS, is one of the things that you're boiling off. Gotcha. Okay, so that's your main. Uh, as just as far as the boil goes, that's that, that's your your best finding right there in the kettle. That is, that is going to get ninety five percent of it out. Now, okay. if you need to get that last five percent of it out, and some some people do, then you have to do kettle finding. Okay. And what it does is it just makes your break in the kettle better. Hmm. Um, and we use uh, a, a commercial product called Copaclear. Um, but it's basically just seaweed. Okay. So it's Irish moss. It's Irish moss that's been pre-processed into a pellet. So and I could, and you put one pellet per barrel in, and uh, five minutes before into boil. So it's a lot like a uh, whirlflock then. A big giant right. whirlflock. Version of whirlflock. Okay. So it looks like a. What are those big big uh, suds tablets? <laughs> I got questions about that just from the chat room too already. Um, whirlflock versus Irish moss. What's what's the best, or is there a big difference? The convenience factor of uh, Rolf Lock is just so much nicer. It's worth the extra cost. Because it's the easy little pill? Because it's the easy little yeah. pill. Okay. Yeah. Just take the pill. Hey, Colin, does, does Irish Moss, is it hydrated during the boil? 
I don't believe it is. Okay. Uh, oh, and when I was taught to use it, you um, hydrated the night before at, um, I believe it was pH of 5, hmm. uh, but at a, at a low pH. No, I, uh, I, I never heard that one. I always knew to, to rehydrate it half an hour. I only did it half an hour ahead of time, but I didn't know about the pH one. Yeah, we did it. That, that was the way I was taught was uh, low pH overnight. Okay. Uh, Rather than just throwing the dry stuff right into the boil kettle. Right. Which is what, every, which is what everybody does. Right. And that's why they developed the World Flock tablet, so, so everybody could do exactly that. Okay. And then you mentioned with yours that you use, you throw it in five minutes to the end of the boil. And right. there's been some discussion on here about that for a long time, and it was I just read it out of the directions that I got, I think, with my first kit. It told me to add my Warflock at 20 minutes to the end. And sometime a few weeks ago, somebody was in here saying, I think it actually was Jamil who said, you know what, at 20 minutes, it's really not going to do as much as it does you know, at the end. And uh, so now I actually throw it in at one minute till the end. I put my Warflock in. So the question from the chat here, he's got 15, 10, 5, 2 minutes. What's the deal? Uh, well, the deal is, is if you really want to know, you make the same recipe over and over again and try it. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough. And, yeah. we, and, and, and it's going to depend on your brew house design, and it's going to depend on your recipe. And your water, uh, too. And, and right, uh, that's, well, the most important part of the recipe, right, Doc? Yep. <laughs> right there with you. Colin's great. He's like my dad. It's all about tough love. And <laughs> hey, you want to know how to do it? Do it, stupid. <laughs> oh, sorry, Dad. <laughs> Flashback, and Colin. look how Justin turned out. <laughs> it's paid off. No, that's great advice. I just brew the same thing over and over. And, of course, you got to do it as close to the same every time, too, if you're only going to change when you put in the Warflock. Uh, that's a exercise for everybody is to take the lightest beer recipe they make Make it over and over again until they can do it consistently. Okay. But uh, just on a side note, too much Irish moss, too much Whirlflock is a bad thing. Yeah? Yep. You can overdo it. What happens? I've never done it. Uh, it starts to strip out some other things that you don't want to. Um, some proteins? Yeah. And oh. so, especially some head retention proteins, you really don't want to do that. Okay. Yeah, one of when we're looking at all of these issues with fining and, and whatnot, protein is one of the things we're taking out. But it turns out that at the end of the process, we want to head on the beer. In order to do that, then we need to have proteins. And, and we divide them roughly into head positive and head negative proteins because we want to remove all the head negative proteins, but we want to leave back, leave in all the head positive proteins. Mm. So some of these things we're using are, are pretty selective. Yeah, on that one, but you, it's only up to a point. You can overdo it, and you're going to start taking out the stuff that you want to keep in. Comment from the chat is that the problem with Warflock is that it is pH sensitive. Isn't that what you were just saying, Colin, a little bit ago? Um, I, you know, I don't know how pH sensitive it is um, because I shoot for such a consistent boil pH. Nah, gotcha. Uh, a problem I would run into. I wonder how how sensitive it is in the in the boil pH. The boil pH is pretty low. I just wonder if it's, you know, a big swing, is it going to matter, or, or a small swing going to make a big difference with Whirlflock. I don't know. Okay. I don't know either. I, I wonder what the literature on it says. I know they, uh, when they do those trials, they uh, uh, they do try all sorts of things and, and do really good controls. Um, I've read a bunch of the papers on the findings, and I've been really impressed with the level of work these researchers do. So they probably make it just improve. Sweet. 
<laughs> I'll tell you, good the period. smart companies will make all of their products Justin proof. <laughs> That's good business. For the average Justin is. out there. Now, you, you mentioned this briefly just before we got into the findings. You, you, your very brief statement was, if you absolutely need to, now you can add Werflock and, and whatnot. So this question comes through that says, I don't use anything, and my beer comes out clear. Is that just luck? No, it's not luck. Okay. Um, it's actually designed into his process, and, and that's just fine. Um, you know, don't, uh, uh, don't feel like you have to, if you're not doing this, you're making bad beer. It just, it turns out with certain recipes, you need to get a little bit more of the protein out. And, and I know brewers that don't use any findings at all and just spend a lot of time making sure that with each recipe they've extracted the right amount of protein and the right amount of tannin that they settle out in a reasonable amount of time. Okay. A brewery, a reasonable amount of time is if it settles out in three weeks, that's good enough. Okay. You need to speed it up. Now, findings speed that process up. Gotcha. And also, findings are going to help with the stability over time, where a lot of homebrewers don't really care about that. And you got to drink your homebrew, who cares if it gets a little hazy over time? Yeah. With Colin, it matters. Gotcha. Right. Well, and I actually never have that problem, fortunately, because my beers never get warm. Um, they they don't ever leave refrigeration, so so uh, they're not uh, trade abuse. Not really a big concern of mine. Very lucky. Everything's drunk fresh. Um, it's rare for us to have a tank that's three months old. Okay. Oh, that's great. So there you go. If you want fresh, good beer that's rarely over three months old, Downtown Joe's in Napa Valley. <laughs> Colin Kaminsky. Colin Justin. <laughs> yeah, Justin rarely, rarely gets a keg a month. If or you a don't week want old. to go all the way to Napa, you can come here. My wife is always very fresh, almost too fresh. That's well, it is too fresh too, and that's you know one of the reasons why we tend to value clarity. Right, and and I think that's I guess an important thing to uh, to remind ourselves is that um, clarity became a big concern in the 1800s um, because clear glassware became common in bars. Ah, right. And that's why maltsters started figuring out how to convert and with lighter malts. And we started developing the pale ales. Um, a lot of things changed around that time. Um, and a lot of the findings that we use were developed in that same period. And it really followed the, what the customer wanted. It turned out once they could see inside the glass, they could tell the difference. Hey, this beer's hazy, and it doesn't taste as good as the last batch. Right. Okay. And I know it's a big difference. If I have it, like right now, I just put on a new tank of IPA and it's a little hazy. I can taste the difference. Really? I'll look much better in, in two, two more weeks when it clarifies. See, that's the only, you know, I didn't, I could have cared less about, just like Doc was saying, a lot of homebrewers, could care less about the haze and whatnot in my beer. And now I've started, I actually have done a couple of batches where I've kept them around longer. Daniela's was uh, one of them and a couple of others I've worked on. And now I do use it as sort of a measure of its age and when it actually might be the best to drink. Because I, I, I too know when it's, when it's all kind of full up and cloudy, it's real young. And if I wait about three weeks, it's clearer and the taste is much different. And maybe not just because everything's dropped out, but just age and, and, and all the things that kind of happen with that. Well, so. my record from, from mash ton to tap is nine days. Wow. And, and in nine days without a filter, I was able to make a perfectly crystal clear beer. Now, that's great. And it tasted just fine. Now, if I try to do that and, and rush that through and it, doesn't, and it isn't clear, it won't taste fine at all. Okay. Uh, 
and and so n- now we get into the, the end of boil is we've gotten all this protein separated out. Yeah. Now what we really want to do more than anything else is leave it behind in the kettle, and and you do that by whirlpooling and by racking. Okay. And and if you transfer that into the fermenter, some of that's going to get re-dissolved back into your beer. And we've already got it separated out. So we want to take some time and, and we want to leave it behind. And what I used to do as a home brewer was uh, I would just take a big wooden spoon and I'd get my kettle, you know, it was a 15-gallon keg, and I'd get the kettle spinning up as fast as I could with just a spoon. And then I'd drop my racking cane over the top of it and rack down as much as I could until I started, until I could see protein coming through, yeah. and then the rest of the way uh, away. Now that's a great, a great tip, by the way. Yeah. I had thought about doing that. It, I had just converted over to to a, a converted keg for my kettle, which I had the weld at the bottom. But I was I, that's exactly what I was about to do because I just I was transferring everything when I didn't have a spout at the bottom. And I'll tell you, I want to keep asking you about this because now even that I have a spout and I'm looking at you guys in the room here too because you do the same a similar process. I'm still transferring a bunch of junk. So we'll, we'll move into that in a second. But um, I well, like go ahead. Sorry. Some strategies for that. I've uh, I've seen people put a screen at the bottom of the kettle to try to catch it. Okay. Um, I like to put just a little bit of a screen right in front of the valve itself. Now that's I, I thought I thought about that too, but I, I just wondered if it would get clogged. Um, on my screen, it's it's a well, it's hard to do without a drawing. It's a vertical piece of perforated plate. Diverter plate. A diverter plate. Yeah. Except mine's perforated. Um, and it's right up against the spout, you're saying? No, it isn't. It's an inch away. Oh, okay. And and it works pretty well. Why, um, why would it be perforated? Over the top. It's like a strainer. Um, well, I actually did it because I found that the the speed of the wart going around the diverter plate yeah. was to start tearing up that nice cone of hmm. tube that I'd settled into the middle. Gotcha. And it would tear right there, and the idea was is if I could change the way the liquid flowed while the kettle was draining right there, it would not tear as much trube off. And I was able to leave some more behind, and I actually had beer, beer, more beer weld up my uh, diverter plate for Downtown Joe's um, and, and fix that problem. Gotcha. Dr. Evil, actually <laughs> figuring out that I need to change the way the water flows around my diverter plate. Meticulous. You are a great brewer, my friend. Uh, well, you know, it, it, I am a learning brewer. Gotcha. And we learn every day. And when we're talking about all this two years from now, I'm going to look back at what I said and go, oh, that was naive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be something completely different. Hey, that's you know, and and that's why we love uh, brewing, right? Changes. Absolutely. Uh, and back to the basics of the whirlpool. Sorry, just real quick. Someone had asked in the chat room, "How do you suggest a proper whirlpool?" Um, you know, I think I, even at uh, Downtown Joe's, just stirring up the kettle is enough. And and here's exactly what we do: we take a canoe paddle, we go in, we paddle up the wart until, um, you know, without introducing air. We just try to stroke it as hard as we can for about 30 seconds, and it gets it spinning oh, pretty fast on the outside. Maybe, um, maybe one particle will go all the way around the kettle in 15 seconds, so it's going pretty fast. for a, We're talking about a four-and-a-half-foot diameter kettle. Um, and then we just let it sit 
let it keep spinning, let it sit for a half an hour. Okay. First and he said paddle, and then he said stroke. I got it. See, I got it. He said a little while ago the 30-second stroke, and John's just looking at me like, come on, where is it? I got yelled at in an email, John, about uh, always interrupting the brewers when they're saying really good things. But so I'm, I'm dying over here to make fun of the 30-second stroke, and I can't because I got lectured about it in an email. That's awesome. I'm trying to be nicer to our listeners and let the brewer speak okay. without my stupid <laughs> whacking-off jokes. <laughs> Sorry, Colin. Makes good beer. Colin, is it, is it an actual canoe paddle? It is an actual canoe yeah. paddle. It's green too. I get that pictured in my mind. You just up on top of there, just just <laughs> yellow rubber boots. He looks like the Gordon's fisherman. Yeah, <laughs> deliverance. Fashion to to make. I never wear rubber boots. I always wear <laughs> shoes, and I get so much flack about it. <laughs> So the th- I, now I, I right when I interrupted as I was describing that I wouldn't do. Uh, I, I don't want to brush over the fact you said you you then let it sit for thirty minutes. I, I do, and and but how long you want to let it sit has to do with the height of your kettle. Okay. So since my kettle's about four feet deep, yeah. I let it sit for thirty minutes. But if I had a shorter kettle, yeah. I'd probably only let it sit for fifteen minutes. Okay. I go, so I just started, you know, I, I got the converted keg now, and I use an immersion chiller. So what I'll do is at flame out, right at flame out, I do my whirlpool right then. And I'll just get it going as fast as I can possibly get it. Then I drop my work chiller in, and I chill it while it's while it's whirlpooling. And I just, I don't, I'm obviously not transferring it until it's down to the temperature that I want it anyway. So that's how I measure how long my whirlpool sits there, is that a reasonable thing that, like you can't let your whirlpool sit for too long right it's not going to go anywhere so i it's just a, oh, sorry. of your immersion chiller whether that's going to work out well for you and what's important it turns out if you watch the way the particles flow now if, for people who've never seen this phenomenon um you're getting to the bottom of your your cup of tea and you swirl it up just a little bit to get all the particles in this in the center and take a sip off the edge of your tea that's the phenomenon we're talking about in order for this to work, what happens is there's convection currents going in the in the boil in, or in the kettle as it cools. And what's, what you want to have happen is you want it to go down the outside walls because the outside walls are where the cooling is, and you want it to come up through the middle. And you do that by swirling it so that in the middle it's a lower pressure area than the outside. And there's more, and it, yeah, there's and more, more drag on the outside of the kettle. Rather than right. inside. It was actually Einstein who was the first person to make a really good description of it. Um, and he basically wrote some quick note down about um, how, because he was swirling his tea and he wanted to know why it worked. And, you know, everybody swirled tea for all of time. Hmm. Uh, um, so he wanted to know why it worked. Um, and he, he dropped down, jotted down a note which ended up being the whole of the theory of why it works. So, Colin, with, with the 30 minute set of that thing are you worried about smm turning into dms at that point you know are you uh, weighing the difference on the settling of the tube and the production of dms at that point the end of boil is is about the beginning of happy hour it is the most common time for me to get distracted from the kettle Hmm. and it's a really big problem that that i continue to try to address with my staff is you know, and Stop drinking I'm, on the job. No, don't bug yeah. Colin at, at Flame Out. Oh. <laughs> Until I'm transferring out of the kettle, I 
can't be disturbed. And the the record is I've been in the kettle for two and a half hours. Wow. After boil. And I talked to uh, Brian from Moonlight about this because I was very concerned about it. And he basically said that the best thing in the world you can do um, is to get it cooling as quickly as possible because the precursors for DMS are forming really well at higher temperatures, and they don't form as quickly at lower temperatures. Right, and they're, and they're not being driven off by the boil because you're not boiling anymore. So the idea was to uh, open the lid of the kettle um, and try to get it to drop down to 180 as quickly as possible. Now, again, it, it's something that I don't like doing at all, um, and, and I would highly recommend that you would consider a half hour the limit and if you taste DMS, look there. Look at the, how vigorous your boil is and how long you let it whirlpool because that is a great way to make DMS. Hmm. Okay. I, I haven't noticed a problem with it. All the textbooks say that you will. Okay. few questions here. Uh, one, one coming through. This chatter says, I use a counterflow chiller after my whirlpool. I let the wort spin for about 30 minutes. Am I in danger of developing DMS? I, I, in my experience, the answer to that is no. Okay. But one of the things I make a note of in my logbook is exactly what temperature I transfer through my wort chiller at. Gotcha. And if you think you're having a problem, you can log that for a little while and see exactly what what is going on. Um, if you find that as long as I'm transferring out at 200 degrees, I never get a problem. But if I give it long enough, a long enough time, I, I, I log the time that I transfer out and the temperature I transfer out at. And so you might want to just add that to your little log notes okay. um, and just see. Um, I think a half hour is a little bit of overkill for a home brewer. Um, and unless your process requires you to do something else, I actually take that half hour and I clean the fermenter. Hmm. Um, is what I do in that half hour. But yeah. uh, um, that's just because I don't have any other convenient access to hot water until that moment. I usually take that half hour and prop up a seat next to the kegerator. <laughs> well, you know, it's a lot easier in a bar because you uh, you have lots of friends out there that want you to... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they want to hang with the brewer. Yeah, who doesn't? They want to <laughs> hang with Dr. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does whirlpooling work with a partial boil? You know, I, I haven't ever done a partial boil. I think it will help, definitely. Uh, this is kind of what I was saying before I, I switched over to my kettle now that has the spout on the bottom, and then Colin recommended racking. That's exactly... I was doing a partial boil. I was going to whirlpool and attempt a batch by just racking as much out as I could. Now... With a partial boil, because you're working with a concentrated wort, mm-hmm. I think that you're really concerned about leaving almost any of the wort behind. So I was still, even by racking, I was assuming I was going to take a bunch of that trube with me mm-hmm. just to try to get as much of the liquid out as possible. So I, I don't know why you're worried about that. Just put in an extra half pound of malt extract and call it good. Okay, yeah, there you go. Over-concentrate Yeah, make it, you know, or make another half, half a gallon of beer. Yeah, that you can leave in there. In another, oh, that you can just, yeah, but, yeah, but you, okay, but now you just have to have a a, a stronger wort. Sure. Yeah. Or or you dilute it more because it'll be stronger and you can dilute it with more. Right. Right. So that might work. Either way, so the more you leave in there, just compensate for it. There you go. So, yeah, all right, so more fermentables in that bad boy. I think if you you let it settle 
for a longer period of time, it'll it'll, it'll stick together. So when you're pouring it, you might you'll be able to leave behind all that hot break. At least you somewhat. know it doesn't. It yeah. hardly does. Uh. You definitely leave. You know what you end up leaving behind? Just because I did so many batches that way. You know what you leave behind is you leave behind hops. They'll they'll fall to the bottom, but the break mm-hmm. is just this big gummy substance that's like all over it, and mm-hmm. there's no way around it. You if you pour, you pour it all. I was able to leave behind maybe a couple ounces of hops. Is that why you were doing the uh, two carboy thing? That's exactly what I would do. So if you're worried about doing uh, the, you know, we're talking about racking from a whirlpool. What I would do is not worry about it. Dump everything into my carboy. Add the water as as normal. And then let it, before pitching, I would let it sit. I, I usually wasn't cold enough by then anyway, because I was, I'm using an ice bath and a sink, and it's not, I was still above 80 or so. So I would let it sit for a couple hours, and all the break would, would then fall to the bottom of the carboy. Then I would rack to another carboy, pitch, go to bed. Pitch it nice and clean. Yeah. So kind what? of a bummer that, it, that it's sitting around for an extra couple hours before I'm pitching. But it was it was a heck of a lot cleaner. When I started doing that, my, my beer got better. And how, how would you describe the difference? I, well, for one, clarity. Uh, and especially because my beer was generally getting drank young anyway. Uh, it was definitely clearer. And it just ta- it tasted less like that, that homebrew extract-y. I don't know how to describe it exactly, Colin. But it wasn't as kind of sweet and chunky. It tasted a lot more like beer. <laughs> I kind of want to introduce another concept that uh, uh, the more you talk to me, the more you'll realize I'm stuck on it. And that is, call it the crumb theory. If you want to keep something from, from, like if you want to keep ants out of your kitchen, you pick up all the crumbs. And if you want to keep things from, from growing in your beer that you don't want, then you need to get all the food sources out that they want. Okay. One of the things that uh, uh, is a great source of food is all that protein that's in the tube. So the sooner you get it out, the less food sources you have for things that can potentially contaminate the beer. Gotcha. Well, there you go. So any way you can do it. And those are a couple methods on the partial boil. I like that. The you might give thing. it a try. Yeah. Uh, they want to know what size batch you're stirring with your canoe paddle. Um, the knockout is 217 gallons. Sweet. So he's working on his upper body strength. Yeah. Don't, don't fall in. I want to go swimming in yeah. 217 gallons of beer. Not at 200 degrees, you know. No, not. Mm-hmm. Maybe at 103, though. It's like a jacuzzi. Well, you know, that, that reminds me of the famous Irish joke. There was this Irish brewer, and uh, he was standing over a very large boil kettle. and uh, or Actually, it was a very large fermenter, um, as I open the mushroom sauce here. Um, <laughs> standing over a very large fermenter, and uh, one of his buddies fell in. And he looks around and he says, "Don't worry, I'll save you." And he drank it down to where they could both stand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, doesn't whirlpooling <laughs> depend on kettle geometry? It does a little. Um, it any there never there really isn't a kettle geometry where it won't work. It's going to work better at certain kettle geometries. Okay. I'll tell you what, I'm going to learn about water before I get into my kettle geometry. I'm going to tell you guys right now. I flunked geometry four and a half times. What? Four and a half. Yeah, the last half, I just said, fuck it. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, here's one that we kind of talked about already, so I want to try to help clarify for this guy. He says, uh, 
If I whirlpool to prevent trube moving to the fermenter, I have to remove my immersion chiller and expose the wort to infection. I don't think it's worth it just for a cleaner beer. My beer has a little haze, but who cares? And I just kind of want to say that's why I whirlpool right at flame out before putting my immersion chiller in because then I don't have to remove it in order to do a whirlpool. But you're right. If at flame out, you then put your immersion chiller in without doing your whirlpool, you do kind of have to pull it out in order to get a good whirlpool. I did that my first batch. I was like, oh, this sucks. I got it chilled now, and I got to pull out my immersion chiller and uh, open up the top of the kettle and get my whirlpool going. So we were designing the ideal process, and now this gets a little bit more into the Anheuser-Busch realm of things. But if we really wanted to do a good whirlpool, we would run through the wort chiller, pull it down to 29 degrees, whirlpool, and then transfer out, warm it back up, and pitch yeast. Whoa. And that's what we would leave the most behind. Now that's cold break. Yeah. That, yep. and, they, and by definition, that's what cold break is. When you hear a big brewery saying, oh, we had a really good cold break this time, they really mean at 29 degrees. Right. Wow. Okay. And then... Uh, you know, he's also saying in this comment, my beer has a little haze, but who cares? Which is true. If your beer tastes fine and a little haze, you know, don't do anything about it. But I would then want to go back to what Colin just said about uh, getting the most food out of there for infection as possible. If you're not getting infection, more power to you. But that's kind well, of the point. When we look into that, what, what kind of hazes are food sources? And and the worst food sources are protein, um, and uh, uh, yeast. So those two are definitely important to get out. Yeah, because those are really you know, flavor-biased, too. Uh, absolutely, that's right. Okay. And then just a real quick comment from somebody. They love the hop stopper. says, no more Whirlpool, and just uh, it's a little expensive, they said. We had the hop stopper as a focus on here. It's a great little device. I think you can go to ihomebrewsolutions.com. So we've had some people that made it work and made it work good. Yeah. I have one. It just doesn't fit my kettle. Otherwise, I'd be checking it out, too. But just it's another form of a screen to uh, not have to whirlpool and screen out your stuff. All right, you want to move on? We got I got 15 minutes with you, Colin. I promised you I'd let you go. So you want to go to the next? Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna head out and and this is this is where I, I don't want to blow your mind with this next little step, but it's so Tough important. Luck. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so important to what we're gonna do next, and it's called Stokes Law. Now, basically what Stokes' law says is that the rate that a particle settles is proportional to the square of the radius of that particle. Can you repeat that? The rate that a particle settles is proportional to the square of the radius of the particle. All right. Can you repeat that? Basically, means the bigger it is, the faster it settles. I got it. I just don't know how I'm going to figure out the size of my particle. we got to figure out what the particles are made of, and that will give you an idea of what the size is. And, but what you need to be able to do is figure out how to make them bigger no matter what. Hmm. Now, further goes on to say that it settles at the rate, uh, at, settles at the rate of the difference in densities as well. So if we make the particle heavier yeah. or if we make it larger, it falls faster. Now, that's all findings do. Findings aren't this magic thing that travels around with scuba gear and pulls all those little particles out. It actually just makes them bigger, and it makes them heavier. So it it bunches them together, and when they bunch, the mass of the radius, boom, and they drop out. I got that. Okay, so now when we want to find a few things, there's some things we can choose. Now, we're we're cold. We've 
pretty much fermented out, um, well, we'll say 75% of the sugar. So we've gotten lots of the food out. And what, we, uh, what we've got left now in suspension is yeast, protein, and tannins. Right. Now, in order to get the tannins, uh, or in order to get the yeast out, we can use anything that sticks yeast together. And some yeasts are really flocculent, and they just want to stick together on their own. I don't know if you've ever used English ale yeast. It just drops to the bottom and is jello on the bottom of your fermenter before you even can think to find. Nice. If you get to more powdery yeast, like Irish ale yeast, for instance, is a little more powdery, it's a little more difficult to get it to settle. And you can add, uh, basically you want to add something that's collagen. And you can add gelatin, you can add isinglass, you can add, um, and all of these things, all they really do is try to stick particles together. Okay. So, and, and also if you have a yeast that you've pitched several times, it can be mutated and it might not want to flocculate out. Gotcha. Hmm. So that's when, that's when this comes into play. And you're saying that these, you're putting any one of these in, not when it's entirely finished, obviously, but toward the end, 75% done? Um, I like to do it right after I hit my final, my lowest temperature. So if I transfer out of the fermenter, I ferment at 68, say, I, I cool it down in the fermenter to 39 um, and settle out most of the yeast. Then I rack off the yeast, transfer it into the aging cellar where it ages at 40. Okay? Uh-huh. And as soon as that tank is in the aging cellar and I'm convinced it's at 40 degrees, I'll fine it. Oh, okay. So you're definitely done fermenting then. You've decided that's your final gravity. And yeah, okay. right. I've already, I'm, I'm basically, you know, in the bright tank at this point. Okay. So home brewer-wise, that's what I do. I pull it out of the fermenter. I get the, I, I'll crash the fermenter down, rack it off the fermenter into my bright tank. The bright tank already has the fine agent in it. Mm-hmm. I like gelatin. That's what I'll use, and it goes into a kettle, a keg that I call a, a bright tank. I've cut the dip tube up, dip tube. So uh, and so, w- when everything settles out, the dip tube is about an inch less, and so when it does all settle out, when I can rack it back into a normal keg, I'm not going to have. I'm going to. I'm going to not get the sludge on the bottom. Okay. Now, why gelatin? And and then and I'll ask Colin the same thing. How do you choose what you use? But well, that, uh, why gelatin? I like because it's readily available to me, and that's kind of what I've always kind of used. And okay. it works the same way. Icing glass will probably work better. Okay. And then Colin, yeah, how do you decide what you use? Um, I it's basically the same the same way. I I decide what I want to use based on what I've used in the past, what's been successful, what I'm familiar with, and what's easily available. Okay. So for me, that is a product called Cask Clear, and it is a pre-prepared isinglass. Gotcha. And it's it's mostly for clearing yeast haze. It, you, yeah. It, 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 it does a great job with yeast haze. You guys want to gross people out real quick who don't know what isinglass is? Uh, it's it's swim made from swim bladders of fish. Mm-hmm. It's basically a collagen, and it's got a positive charge on it. It's fish guts. Yeah. It's fish guts. <laughs> it's a bunch of fish guts you put in your beer. And and the more money you pay, the more selective you can be about what fish you want. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm told that the best uh, Isinglass is sturgeon. Are you serious about this? Yeah. 
Well, they got to do something with the rest of the sturgeon when they, and they rake all the eggs out of it. Yeah, seriously. I, that's so funny that you're like, well, I want sturgeon in my beer. <laughs> you know, it's you, a sturgeon it's, beer. Yeah. Instead of, like, you know, carp. Yeah. <laughs> Catfish. Yeah. yeah. I should mention at this point is anytime you use gelatin or isinglass, you are no longer vegan and you are no longer kosher. Right. Oh, good point. Yeah, it's made from animal products. Right. A great Even point. Ends up in the glass. It's not organic. No, you're still organic. You, it's, it's, you still could be organic. But you're not anyway. vegan. You're not necessarily not organic, okay. but you're definitely not vegan or vegetarian. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Dr. Scott, how do you prepare your gelatin? Uh, generally, I, I let it uh, hydrate cold in a pan for whatever, until I'm doing something else, and then I slowly heat it up to about 150. Leave and it. How much mm-hmm. do you use? What's that? How much? Uh, I'll use about, if you can get the little Knox gelatin guys, the little packets, I'll use about half a one in five gallon keg. Oh, okay. And I'll, I'll make it into a solution that's sterile in my uh, little saucepan, and then I'll pour it into the bottom of the keg. But you gotta make sure that you don't boil it, cause then you're gonna make jello beer. Ask me well, how I know. <laughs> it, it, can, it can get away from me if you're not watching, you know, when you're heating it. Just sit there and stir it. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to have a problem. Gotcha. The reason why I ask is because dose rating is, is, is really important. It yes, it is. seems to be relatively recipe dependent. Um, and what, what I always do when if I have a question about my dose rate is I take a pint of the beer that I want to find, and I mix up just enough findings for one pint of beer, and I mix it into one pint, and let it sit overnight and see how it does by the morning. If it'll settle up in a beer by the morning, then I know it's at least enough. And you just leave that pint in the fridge? I just leave that pint in the fridge overnight. It's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah, because a lower dosage won't really get you anywhere. Right, and but you don't want to overfine either because that's a great way to, to destroy head retention. Right. Okay. You're, you're pulling things out. you got to get selective and not overdo these things. So is there a, a rule that tells you how much per size of your batch? Or do you, does, does it say it on the box when you buy this stuff? Um, there, it, the stuff I used came with a paper, and it gave a dosing rate that, that was literally a fourfold rate. Okay. It basically said I was supposed to use anywhere from a quarter of a pound to two and a half pounds for seven barrels. Gotcha. And... Um, I did trial findings. I took a bunch of pints of beer and lined them up in my cellar and uh, uh, did a different dosage in each one, and I picked one that I thought was suitable. And for me, that turns out to be uh, seven and five-eighths ounces um, that I, I dilute into two gallons of water. Okay. Now, now, and this is really important, if you're using Isinglass, you have to get it distributed really well. And I'm going to tell you guys the way, the way that we do it in the big world, and you have to come up with your, your best approximation. Now, what we do is we take the Isinglass, we put it in a bucket with a gallon of water, and we take one of those uh, little uh, uh, juice mixers that's for um, the protein shakes, and get it mixed up as well as we can. And, and it, in the beginning, you see a lot of chunks. And right after the chunks go, it's a little bit watery. And then there's just this point where it starts to get the feeling of, uh, of skim milk. As soon as it hits that point of skim milk, then I acidify it. 
And for me, that turns out to be um, five-eighths an ounce of citric acid. Um, but you can do it with a pH meter, too, and I think you go down to 5-1 is where you take it down to, but I'd have to look that up. Um, and then you blend it again, and you'll see the texture change again, and it takes about 30 seconds or 45 seconds, and the texture will change. And now it's like 2% milk. And then you dilute it again with another gallon of water, and you blend it all up again. Now I take that whole two gallons I've got, and I put it in a sanitized Cornelius keg, and I pump out of the bottom of my aging tank and pump back into the top of my aging tank so such that I can rotate the whole tank in 20 minutes. And in 20 minutes, I inject that two gallons into the pump. Wow. That's why I use gelatin. <laughs> That's right, Doc. Use a gelatin. Now, if I could pick up my tank and shake it, I'd probably do that instead. Okay. But with 220 gallons. You can't. You can't. Sissy. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, I'm going to give you the choice here, Colin. I got a few questions I can fire at you, and that would get you out of here on time if you're about done in the process. Or let, me, let me go over one other thing we can do. Great. And, and Getting the yeast out is really important. I don't know if you guys know what flavor yeast imparts to beer. Um, I hear people describe it as meaty or bready. Hmm. Uh, whatever it is, it's gross. And so getting the yeast out is really important. Now, if you want to try to get the protein tannin complex out, you can do that as well. Um, for me, it's more important. I only worry about it when I'm dry hopping because dry hopping can throw really big tannin hazes. And what you do is when you add that last gallon to dilute your finings back out and you're going to blend it again, you put in food-grade silica. And silica bonds really well with this whole complex and makes it heavy. Hmm. Um, and it, it actually pulls out the proteins very well. Gotcha. Um, you can overdo it. Um, but it, I... I find it really important in dry hot beers that add silica. John, can you get the silica at the yeah, B3 there? Poly, polyclear? Well, polyclear, that's, that's PVPP. Um, that, that works well that, as well. That works on the other side of it. That works uh, on the, uh, the tannin side of it. Uh, uh, the silica gels work on the protein side of it. So where do you get the silica gels? You should be able to get a B3. I think they have it, don't yeah. they? Check so it what out. It's just a, a really fine powder that looks like something you charge into a glass furnace. Um, you don't want to breathe the stuff. Don't uh, snort look, the fine powder. <laughs> no. uh, under a microscope. It looks what? Wicked. It's all jagged. and oh. looks like it get into your lungs and do damage. Oh, yeah. That's no good. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure there is a homebrew equivalent product. Um, PVPP works well. Um, there's another product that I use that's a blend of silica and PVPP already. Um, that and Isinglass works the best and the fastest. Now, my tanks are about five feet tall. I'm dropping these particles through five feet of beer um, in about three days. Okay. Well, that gives you an idea of, of the fast settling rates you can try to do. Yeah, that's great. It's a real fast way to do it. And best with the dry hoppers, you're saying. For Yeah, for me, I dry hop my pale ale and my India pale ale. Okay. And uh, they they tend to throw tannin hazes. Okay. And and the other thing is hazes are very temperature sensitive, or can be. And the, so a haze that is disappears when the beer's warm and reappears when it's cold is called a chill haze. Right. 
the only way to deal with a chill haze is to make sure that you do your fining um, when you're as cold as the beer's ever going to be or colder. Okay. Um, a great, we did this for a while. We had a beer that we wanted to call a Hefeweizen, but we didn't, our clientele wasn't sophisticated enough to want all of those yeasty flavors in their beer of a real Hefeweizen. So what <laughs> we did is we fined the beer at 68. Interesting. And it made the worst chill haze you ever saw in your entire life. And it looked just like a Hefeweizen, but it tasted just like an American wheat. All right. It's sort of the reverse there. That's exactly what you wanted it to do. Right. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I have a, I had a question come in earlier that says, is it only the protein that causes chill haze, or do tannins and starches contribute as well? Yes. Only proteins that cause chill haze. Um, but any time you're in the, in the aging tank, proteins and tannins are so linked together. Um, they have a, a, a strong affinity for each other. Yeah. Do you know why that is, uh, uh, Scott? Well, uh, yeah, they, they create uh, weak hydrogen bonds. And they're mostly the the cause of uh, the chill haze. The proteins the and the pro- tannins. Proteins and tannins come together and they link together. Okay. And it's a weak weak bond. It's a hydrogen bond. So uh, when the temperature gets low enough, the molecules are moving slower and they kind of nuzzle up to each other and they cause a haze. I see. And when it warms up, everything's moving a little bit faster and it, and it goes away. So what if you warmed it up? I mean, you don't want to do this in general, but you could warm it up, have that all fall out, and then chill it, and it wouldn't be hazy? Well, you it dissolves. Yeah. What, like, you, what you can do is chill it down and filter it, and filter the big chunks, or let it settle out when it's cold. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, or you can get rid of one side or the other. You can use different agents to get rid of the tannin side, yeah. different agents to get rid of the protein side. Okay. And that'll cut that back, too. Now, the, the Ian Ward uh, uh, wrote a great paper, and he basically said you're, um, that you can use the least amount of findings if you go after all three. If you go after the yeast, the, pro- the proteins, and the tannins simultaneously, that the total loading of findings is lower um, uh, and, and had some very good data to back that up. Um, so that's what we try to do for the most part is uh, uh, try, to, try to use – PVPP, silica, and isinglass together when we're fining. Okay. Well, speaking of the PVPP, I have to PP myself. Uh, can I fire a couple quick questions at you, and then we'll, we'll let you off the hook, too? I don't even know if I can read this one, but it's I, it, the person says, I have this packet that has Cheetosan and Heiselsol. Am I saying those right? What is it, Daniela? Let me say it again. Yeah, why don't you read your own writing? Uh, I have this packet that has Cheetosan and Kieselsol. Ah, Kieselsol. It is intended to be used as a fining for wine. Is it safe for beer as well? That's the question. You know anything about that, Colin? I've never heard of them, but okay. uh, if it works, you can. U- I'm sure you can use it. I don't think safety is an issue. It's not like beer's got some magic chemical that's going to react. Uh, in some weird way that wine doesn't. Okay. So it's not it's not an issue of safety; it's an issue of effectiveness. Okay. Uh, can you overfine with Irish moss? Absolutely. You can. Okay. So find what what works for you. And uh, another question about finings: Can I use bentonine? Uh, bentonite, I think that's what it's called. Uh, okay. She's yeah. It might be bentonite then. Um. Yeah, and that that's. I believe if I've never used it, um, but I believe it replaces silica in the way I use it. Oh, okay. It's a it's a clay-like material. It's positively charged. It's the same thing, similar. Okay. I think it takes about seven to ten days to clarify. Gotcha. 
All right, the great Colin Kaminsky, Doctor Evil, helping us out with the findings. Is there is there anything that we missed there at the end? No, it seems like we've uh, covered pretty much everything, um, uh, other than the fact that I'm I'm without a beer. <laughs> <laughs> As am I, which is why it's the perfect time to end the segment, Colin. You know, Colin, if you were in here. You'd have a beer. That's right. Well, you know, um, as soon as Kyla's born, I'll be back and I'll, I'll visit. Oh, that'll be great. Oh, that'll be awesome. I got to ask you, you know, we did our announcement before we got John that our anniversary party is on Sunday, June 4th. And uh, we sure, we're broadcasting. We'd sure like to have you there if you can make it. So I'm extending um, Where are you, you. going to broadcast from? The studio? 21st Amendment in San Francisco. We're doing oh, a big fun. to-do out there. So uh, Sullivan's a great guy. He is. He's a cool guy and offered us his place, invited us to come out there, and we're doing our whole thing there. So we're going to invite uh, all of our guests. I'm just extending you your own personal invitation there. We'd well, love to have th- you. Thank you very much. I'll try to get out there. and um, If I don't, make sure to tell them that uh, IPAs taste best with blue cheese. <laughs> I will. <laughs> and he'll know what that means. I will absolutely tell him that. And, and listeners, I think you can all send him that in your emails to, to Sean O'Sullivan as well. <laughs> uh, really appreciate it. Colin Kaminsky from Downtown Joe's in Napa, uh, always a great guest for us. Thanks very much. Thank you, Justin. All right, we'll see you. The great Colin. All right, guys, so we're going to take a break here. Now, listen, when we come back, I think we can do our next big announcement, guys. Nice. Yeah, this is stick around. If you if you don't want to hear, uh, by the way, we're doing filtering with Doc when we come back. We just did all the findings. We're also going to do filtering. We're going to do a listener tasting. But right when we come back, and I won't forget this one like I normally do the right when we come backs. We're going to give you our our next uh, big announcement for the year, so uh, stay tuned there. Thanks to Colin Kaminsky, who covered findings for us when we come back. The big announcement, and Dr. Scott does filtering. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. to three guys and one girl use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer the brewcasters on the brewing network you like your new song johnny p i'm shit hell yeah (laughs) I like I'm that amazed. One. Like this is really taking on a life of its own, man. <laughs> Good old oh, chicken yeah. boy. Well, you know what? NP51. Hey, you know, John. They heard it from you first. I know. It's here, baby. I'm bringing it now. I got a new song too out for Chicken Boy too. We'll be playing that uh, later in the show. I want to hear that. Yeah. Justin runs over Chicken Boy. It's a whole story behind this song. It's like an epic tale. 
Oh, and I've got verses from the Bible. It's Lord of the Chicken Boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, you guys ready for the uh, for the big news? Danielle is yawning. It's so it, the news is so big. She's yawning. I'm sorry. It's so big. Still find it big. big. You're big. I find it big. It's so big. I'm excited. I can't even fit in this room. It's so big. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Huge. That's enormous. Look how big your head is. They're not talking about the news, folks. I've had to pull my pants down because it's real hot in the studio. Too small. <laughs> Enormous. Wow, it's cold in here. So just as we take the show into the gutter, the big news. <laughs> so uh, I've been working on a show idea for about a month now, and I've been working on it with uh, some folks in the radio world. And uh, long story short is that CBS Radio has picked up uh, one of the Brewing Network shows to be aired on uh, 106.9 Free FM out of San Francisco, California. So CBS Radio will be airing the Brewing Network. How about that, folks? Nice. What do you think about that? That's that's awesome. Uh, It's going to be a whole new avenue to expose craft beer and really kind of push this renaissance and this movement that's happening. And I get full backing from Free FM. Uh, out of CBS, they're so, giving me uh, pretty much all the resources I need to to put on a, a real so good you got, show. You got the corporate suits behind you. I got the corporate suits behind me. As much as uh, they scare the hell out of me, the corporate suits. What I've always realized is that I need their resources. I love the resources that they have behind them. So, uh, but they're there. Their resources are there, so you can make them money. That's exactly right. Uh, let's yeah, that's not. All we won't make any uh, mistakes about it. But the the great news and and the excitement about what we're doing here is that they realize that they can make money. And, uh, that it right. is that much of a movement going on. It's new and it's fresh. That's right. So uh, starting on May 21st, every other Sunday, and this isn't just big news for us here in the Bay Area, because you can also tune in live on their website. They stream the audio as well. The signal in the, it's, this is a big station, guys. I'm not talking about a mom and pop station that's around the corner from here. 106.9 is owned by CBS Radio. It's one of the largest FM signals in the Bay Area, which is a huge radio market. It's, I don't even know the radius. It goes from here to Davis. I know that people can pick up the signal in Davis, which is which is quite a ways from here uh, as far as r- radio signals go. So it's yeah, that's geometry. Yeah, it's a little bit it's of geometry. Radius. Uh, so it's it's real big just around here. The amount of people that are going to be able to tune in and and get this kind of thing when they're driving in their cars without having to download an archive. Uh, but you also can tune in from anywhere in the world at 1069freefm.com. So you can check that out and tune in just like you do with us if you. If you're not from here, and it's it's uh, an hour before our regular Sunday show starts. What's the time? Two call? hours. It, well, no, it ends an hour before. It starts. At, that's right. It starts two hours before. It goes from three to four o'clock. It's a one-hour program every other Sunday, beginning May 21st on 106.9 Free FM. Dot com. You can check that out, or if you're in the Bay Area, you can tune into 106.9. And the kind of the deal around it is, I, I couldn't exactly sell them on a strictly homebrew show like we do here. It's much more of a niche market with you folks, and uh, we've turned it into a huge market here at the Brewing Network because we're so global, and that's a great thing. But in in FM, you have to be. A, it's a, a, a bit more broadcasting than it is narrow casting like we do here. So what I was able to to get going is a craft beer. Radio 
radio program. And the program is really going to be, it's, we're going to bring in guests just like we do here from the craft beer world and really just talk about that movement that's happening. We're going to do a lot more about beer and food pairings and kind of the fine living aspect of craft beer, cheeses, cigars, all of these things that kind of go with that demographic is what the show is going to focus around. But the other great bonus is because it's my show and I, and, and, and I get to do what I want in there as well, there will certainly always be some homebrew spotlights so that we can also push the homebrew movement the same, at the same time. I will always be mentioning, let's not forget, folks, as we talk about this craft beer, you can do this at home yourselves or you can go out and learn how to do it yourself. So I, I think that the it just is going to be such a great push for, for everybody, not just the craft brewers, but the home brewers, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm really, really, really actually proud of you, Jay. And Thank I you. think you deserve it, and you have great talent, and you have a lot to offer the brewing community with how you portray it. So well done, and go get them. Johnny, I appreciate yeah. that. You know, cool thing is, Justin now has people. I got. I have a staff. He has a staff now. He's the man. <laughs> he's got guys to do all the schlep work that he's doing, and... And that, they're professionals at working the board, yeah. uh, doing the promos, all that kind of stuff. I get a, I don't know if you guys, if I'm going to bore you with these details, I get a production guy. So uh, all of that audio that I put together for this show, uh, which takes up a lot of time to do, somebody else is going to do. Somebody who does it for the big boys is going to do it for, for my show. Uh, I Like Doc said, I get someone to run the board, uh, so I don't have to do that. I can really just kind of focus on the interviews, and, and, and uh, I get a phone operator, just like Daniela does for us here. But originally, th- these are big things, because originally, uh, when I started talking with these folks about the idea, it was looking like I would still have to produce the whole thing out of here, which I would have done, too, don't get me wrong, um, and wouldn't have gotten any resources, but it wouldn't have been a live show. I would have had to pre-record the show, and then they would play it on the air for me. But I kind of just went went back and, and asked them and said, listen, I think the deal here is that people are really interested and they want to interact, and it's a live show. And it could really be so much better if you give me the resources. It'll sound a lot better. I, you know, I don't think it sounds bad out of here, but it... Look, I, I haven't been in the business for 10 years like these people and, and, and whatever else, so... Uh, they, they, they went for it. I don't know what the hell happened, but they came back and they went. They, I asked for all these things, and uh, I expected maybe to get like half of one of the things I asked for. They came back and they said, okay, done. You're in. So there you have it. And, and then I, they said, let us know when you're ready. So I went away to put it together. They phoned me up, and they said, are you ready? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, sure, I'm ready. So May 21st at 3 o'clock, it's a Sunday. It will always air on Sundays just like this one. Uh, I believe I retain rights to the show, so it will also be a podcast available on the Brewing Network. You'll be able to get the archive if you can't tune in at that time of day. The second big part of this is, since it's every other Sunday, the second show falls on the date of our anniversary show. And so as long we're still working on it. It's not finalized, but they've agreed to potentially broadcast the second show from the 21st Amendment as well. No shit. So from 3 to 4 o'clock, it's there, you're going to get two shows on the anniversary day. It'll be the second show for Free FM. It will broadcast from 3 to 4 live from the 21st Amendment. 
We'll take an hour off, and then we're on with 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 everybody here for the Brewing Network anniversary from five until whenever as our normal show. What are you going to wear? <laughs> it's radio. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. I went in and met the vice president of the CBS station with looking like I do now. Well, I, scruff, scruffy face. I had a hat on. I hadn't showered in four days. I love radio, guys. <laughs> what other job interview can you go in looking and smelling like that That's great. than in radio? Mm. So the the anniversary show with Free FM, is it's not nailed down. Basically, uh, they did give me a budget, but in order to go and do it on location, they're thinking that they need to borrow a satellite truck from, from CBS television and an engineer, and they're wondering about their budget now. So... I got to go find them a little, a couple of easier ways to do it, which I think I can do. I know some people over at the station there, and as long as I can get the costs down, we'll be broadcasting two live shows on our anniversary. And uh, the other great thing, obviously, is that promoting it on Free FM on the show I do the the two weeks before is going to get a lot of people out to the 21st Amendment, I think, too. Nice. And we get the backing again of CBS. They'll run promotions on their radio station the whole time to really get people out there. So we could have just an amazing turnout of not only our loyal listeners from the Brewing Network, but a bunch of new guys. And I think that's real cool. cool. So I'm excited. There you go, guys. I Bravo. spit it all out. I'm stoked. And that's the big surprise. Everybody's you know, really happy for you in the chat room as well. And right. everybody thinks that we're rich now. Uh, I don't even, I'm, I'm working for free. <laughs> I mean that. I have to do, it, the way it works is you have to prove that the show uh, can sell. And I haven't done that. So uh, essentially, I've I've been signed for uh, basically the first month. I, I get to do uh, at least four shows. And depending on the turnout of those shows, uh, the CBS will then decide what happens from there. So there is definitely no uh, riches involved. I now have tripled my workload and make the exact same amount of money. <laughs> so, way to go! Uh, like I said, I've never said I'm the best businessman on the planet. Yeah. I just happen to be—I uh, just happen to be passionate about radio and beer. But all good things come in time. <laughs> That's right. I mean, think about it. You know, a year ago, it was who, who would have thought? So, uh, so there I we did. go. I believe in that for sure. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I, I said, "What's your name again?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now we just need to work on your brewing. I, I, you know what? That sucks because I'm going to have uh, even less time to brew. Yeah, no. Um, which is uh, kind of a good thing about now that it's a craft brew program. I'll tell you what. I'll be. Honest, I said this to John the other day, and I I, 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 I talked about this with John before we started this thing. I'm no dummy about craft beer. I've been sort of a beer aficionado for for years, long before I ever got into homebrew. So I'm a little more in my element even in doing the craft beer show, in that I don't. I don't need to answer the questions about homebrewing and, and whatever else. I need to ask the questions about craft beer, and I've 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 had a lot of craft beer in my day. Let's face it, and uh, and I know a lot of the guys now from doing the Brewing Network, and uh, and and so the resources is what also helped CBS uh, give us the go because they know I can get the people in there to do it. So. Uh, I think it's also cool that it gives us some more content because I still own the show and it comes over on the Brewing Network. And while it won't be a strictly homebrew show, there's going to be a lot of elements of it, especially with the budget of CBS, that are going to make it real cool for you guys all to listen to also, even though it's craft beer and not homebrew. So uh, there you go. Cheers. <laughs> all right. All right. 1069freefm.com. Check it out. And hopefully soon you'll see a little Brewing Network sign up on their webpage. Woo-hoo. Yeah. It really just stretches out the Sunday for the Brewing Network because they yeah. can, listeners can do the same. They can just have it streamed online on their computers as well. That's from right. From three to four and then an hour break and then another three hours of being. That's right. 
So it's a long nice? broadcast day. It's it great. is. It's a lot of information. But it's Sunday. They're going to be drinking anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And all those guys in the Bay Area that are like rushing home from the family day in the car to get to the to the five o'clock show. Well, now they can tune into the three o'clock show when they're driving <laughs> home. <laughs> really pissed their wife off. <laughs> so, Shh. Be quiet. I'm listening. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I just I couldn't be happier uh, for the Brewing Network and and you know obviously I, I'm real stoked because that's what I want to be doing too. So uh, I'm very real stoked for you. Very cool. So that's the big news. I'll keep you up to date about whether or not we are on for the anniversary show if Free FM is going to be doing that too. That will be something else. But definitely uh, May 21st. Mark it on your calendar. I'll put it on the web page. That's the first show on Free FM. That's in three weeks. That's in three weeks. I have no idea how I'm going to get that done. You will be fine, (laughs) but it's still in three weeks. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, Cheers. Well, cheers to that. All right. Dr. Scott is going to talk filtering with us. Back to the to the good homebrew information. And by the way, if you want to ask any questions, it's 888-401-BEER. Or you can join Daniela in the chat room. She's happy to hand me your questions. And you can also Skype us at the Brewing Network. Hang on a second. We're not over with this uh, free FM deal yet. But people still have questions, you know? It's oh. important on them. So, for example, what's going to happen with the Blues show? Okay, that is a that's a good question. It comes at a at a weird moment because I hadn't thought a lot about the blue show obviously until today. Uh, it's definitely uh, listenership for one has been real low on the blue show the past few weeks since um, since Easter. So I think it was I think it had a nice run and it was fun. Um, I, it's looking like I'm not I'm not guaranteeing it's over, but it's looking like I may not have time to do it. And the other part of that actually is. The Brewing Network is going to have to change its um, royalty rights that we have to play music mm-hmm. right now. So we actually may be stopping all music whatsoever and only playing Brewing Network programming. So that when you tuned in any time, and, and we also we have a database now of all these shows that we've done that it really could fill them up. I could keep a Brewing Network on rotation all the time. Uh, I think a lot of people aren't tuning into us for for the music anyway. Right. A few are. I still get emails about it, but maybe not worth what we pay uh, for royalties. So um, I think what we're gonna I, I, it's looking like there will not be a blues program in the mornings anymore, which mm-hmm. is only gonna disappoint about ten people. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Uh, it had a good run. We we did real well there for a while, and I think you know what I think it is. Uh, summertime. Uh, summertime yeah. ends up happening, and uh, people are outside doing things instead of hanging out inside with me. Uh, Oz, you're on the air. Man, that news is huge. You believe right. that? Yeah, that's fantastic. Well done. Congratulations. You're everybody. feeling it all the way over there in Austria. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. That's great. Yeah, and you get to tune in too because I made sure about that because I knew that they streamed a lot of their programming on the web, but some yeah. of it they actually block. They retain rights to certain things and they won't put it over those airways. And I made sure and they said, absolutely, it'll be over the net too. So that's brilliant. Everybody is going to get access to that. And, uh, you, know, you know, it brings a lot of credibility to the craft beer world to have a radio program dedicated, and it's it's really going to help getting people in there uh, because, yeah. you know, not that we've had a lot of difficulty getting them into the brewing network, but it, it just it lends another bit of credibility uh, being a, a CBS station. So it's going to be good. Definitely. Yeah. Good stuff. It'll be fun. And Oz, you're coming down for the anniversary show, huh? I am, and to confirm the... Um confirm what somebody said before, I will be the biggest person there. <laughs> you will be. Okay, wonderful. That's, I appreciate hey, that. Hey, Oz, I, I, already, I already cleared it with my wife. You're brewing with me. 
when you're down Sweet. here. Sweet. Oh, yeah. that's great. Sweet. Yeah, we're going to have some good fun. fun. What are you here, for Sweet. two weeks or something? Two weeks, yeah. Man, not going to get any work done for that. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> Come book a new liver now. <laughs> yeah, I will. That's fine. So you guys, John and Doc, you're going to have to start brewing for for oh, me yeah. and for me and Oz. If you would uh, save us a couple of five gallon cornies, I got a couple. I'll be saving for him here, just so that we can make it through the two weeks without <laughs> spending a fortune down at the Bevmo. Fifty gallon cornies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll be no problem. Uh, feel free to donate beer to the Oz Coming to America Fund. <laughs> you better start stockpiling now. Yeah. So that'll be fun. It'll be good to have you there at the anniversary show, man. I'm looking forward to it. One of our very first international listeners coming out for it, and that's that's a real good testament. He's to coming him. a long way. Yeah, it's a long flight. He's going to be hammered the whole time anyway. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he already told me to rest up my liver. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, Oz. No worries. We'll see you, buddy. Jeez. Bye. All right. Anything else, Daniela? No, I'm just happy. Okay. Very happy. Oh, yeah. You want some listener news? Yeah, if they want. Yeah, they got news. Well, they got news aside from our big news. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have our first, well, one of our very few female listeners, Mrs. Henning's beer was bottled yesterday. And we'll be, we will be receiving one of her, I forgot what it's called. Pop- some <laughs> cherry Mrs. popping. Mrs. Henning's cherry. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of, yeah. <laughs> well. Is that cherry popping there? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yep. That's what she, she named it that. Popping Mrs. Henning's cherry. That's hot. Is the name of the beer. All right, cool. So she bottled it, and she's going to send some of that out, huh? She will be sending some of her beer out, yes. That's great. I bet, I bet mm-hmm. it's got a bold taste. And I think that's big news because, you know, it's a female listener, and she has brewed it her own, on yeah. her own. So. For a while, she said she'd never brew when hell, right. froze, when hell froze over, she yeah. would brew. As a matter of fact, it's archived, her saying that, because <laughs> she was on the phone with us. Uh, I, I think Henning called in one day as a drunk of the week, and I wanted his wife to get on the phone, and, and we t- we introduced ourselves to her then, and uh, we all said to her, you ought to try brewing. She said, no, 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 no Hell way. No. Well, well, she did it. And, all right. Um, I, I'm really curious what it's going to taste like. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not too big on fruity beers, and I assume that that popping cherry is kind of a fruity beer. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> it's either that or bloody. I don't know which oh one. Gosh. Well, that was just wrong. <laughs> An Irish red. <laughs> also, in terms of a listener care, Mr. Henning asked me the favor to that you mention again the listener exchange beer thing ah, because yes. they have only ten people on yet, so that we can get that rolling too. Yeah, let's get I, some people signed up for that. I do have that in my list of announcements. Thank you for the push there. The Brewing Network Forum Listener Beer Exchange provided by Bub, uh, one of our forum users, and Bub Web. Dot com. You can check it out over there, uh, the rest of his services. But he put a, he put together him, oh, and by the way, Code, Code Right and Fool, another one of our uh, very loyal and very helpful listeners. Um, those two together kind of joined forces to make a, a program that our Brewing Network forum users can sign up and get a secret Santa. Yeah, beer exchange. And why do we call him Code and not Fool? But, Good question, but, because um, he's no fool. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> You know, don't be afraid to send in your beer if you don't think it's worthy. I mean, look at it this way. You're going to probably get some better beer back. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm sending mine. So <laughs> don't be afraid about yours not being um, worthy. Just let you know, I am signed up, and someone will be getting something of mine. 
and, and probably more than one. Mm. See, it's cool. He told me that there was a few people signed up already. Ten, he mentioned to me. Okay. But there's a lot of members in that forum, and I think this is one of the first of its kind, if not the first yeah. sort of exchange of its kind. It's Secret Santa, man. And it's a great idea. We're doing Secret Santa in June. You know, and you just get to taste other homebrewers' beer. And the point is really just to kind of do that and exchange it and give some feedback and, and just be able to share from, look at, from all over the world potentially here, guys. When you go to your homebrew clubs and you share beer, that's a great thing, but it's all local too. Now, who knows whose beer you're going to get? So sign up for it. It's right there in our forum. I think it's under uh, beer-related or off-topic stuff. It's, it's kind of under two things. Yeah. So check them. Oh, yeah. It's either general beer-related thread or off-topic stuff or both. And uh, there might even be a posting there under beer radio that will tell you where to go. Mm. Uh, and like I said, that's put on by the Brewing Network Forum, Bub at mm-hmm. BubWeb, and Code Right and Fool. I'll put that together for you guys. I think it's well worth checking it and, out. And don't be afraid if you think your beer is not worthy. Because right. if you're drinking it, your friends like it, and they right. say how much is it, send it in. Right. It's worth it. Absolutely. Hey, and Gucci. You there, yeah. buddy? Got yeah. Gucci on Good the phone. Good and uh, Aaron and Daniela. How are you guys doing? We're yeah, Gucci. <laughs> thank you very much. We're doing very well. How's New Jersey treating you? Uh, uh, well, I'll definitely be back for the an- anniversary show. Is that right? All right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to pull in a couple of markers and I'm try to get back. Uh, Beautiful. I've got some other training and I'm supposed to go to uh, one of the stands, but I'll be back definitely. That's oh, you're going to go. Uh, to so sort of guilting me into it, I'll be there. Are you going to go do stand before you come out? <laughs> yeah. His name is uh, Karchakistan. <laughs> I told him today that I would smack him around when I see him on the anniversary show. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's right, that's, that's, that's worth the now. trip right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, well, I just want to wish you guys all the best. I mean, that's uh, you're around the first uh, guys, and uh, you know, Justin, Doc, John, and Jamil, and all the rest of the guys is fantastic. JP, he's there too. So. That's right. That's it's gonna great. be great, and uh, we have a hoot. It will be. It'll be a lot of fun. The whole crew is going to be there, and the more of you guys we get there, like Gucci is saying here too. The better it's going to be because that's why we're celebrating. We're not tooting our horn necessarily. We're tooting your horn. It's fun that you guys sort of made this happen. And that's why we're going out to the 21st Amendment to have a big party about it instead of just hanging out in the studio and saying, hey, it's been a year. <laughs> you know, we're and, uh, just as a listener, if I can say, it's, yes, uh, it's you know, on behalf of supporting your network, the Brewing Network, this is the best chance you have to support you guys to the Brewing Network had all the listeners be able to make it to San Francisco to uh, the 21st Amendment to show a CBS that we're for real. Yeah. And it's not just about home brewing, but it's about everybody who cares about beer. That is an excellent point, Gucci. It, the numbers, you know, are going to speak for themselves, and the more people that show up for that thing, you're absolutely right. It's going to speak volumes to uh, CBS, and and it's going to speak volumes to all the brewers that have been on the show and know that a lot of you guys are out there and a lot of you send them emails, but they're really going to see it firsthand when you're all there and kind of uh, saying thanks to them for doing it, and uh, it's it's going to be good. So you're absolutely right, Gucci. The more of you we get out there, the better. Uh, it's a good way to support the BN. And it's, uh, it'll be worth the seeing Doc drunk anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, if you were to disregard everything we've said in the last five minutes, just go to see Doc getting hammered. <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably happen. Yeah. <laughs> I can see a wild time. Oh, my God. It'll be good. Thanks very I'll much, Gucci. All right, buddy. See ya. Take care. 
So, more feedback. Rich is asking for uh, ample time in order to produce music so you can overcome the royalty issues with okay. the music. So, he needs some more time, he's saying. Okay. Uh, and everybody's just really stoked, it seems. Like, very happy for right. the whole deal. Very cool. It's Good things. You know, the cross-promotion that we get to, uh, I, I yeah. think the real big thing here is how much it can help the brewing network and the homebrew community as it's helping the craft beer community because... Being on FM is going to push people over here and vice versa. So uh, that's a cool thing. And uh, please stop about tooting your horn or somebody else's horn. That's What's just weird. That's a, it's a saying. It's well, an American but, saying. You know, not with your reputation. Just because every time you... <laughs> good point. Just because every time you try to do a saying, like, you screw it up, like... Like, what her favorite saying is, like, it, like don't put your bright light under the table. What the hell is that? Like, it makes sense, it doesn't, doesn't it? Make any sense? <laughs> it makes no sense. It's no. Just, she's like, it's like going into the Seven Eleven and asking that guy behind the counter. You know which guy I'm talking about? All of the like, give us an American saying. <laughs> no, no, no. You get away from the Slurpee machine. Yeah. Justin really cracked up the other day. I, I believe it was yesterday or the day before yeah. when I was really nervous and all excited upon the great news, and I said that I had. Um, um, ants in my ass. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she had a bunch of anxiety. She's like, oh, I've got ants in my ass. Well, ouch. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's ants in your pants. You're an ant poor foreigner. You tart. <laughs> I'm a poor foreigner, not a tart. <laughs> Somebody else actually wants to know how you're gonna um, keep that show clean. Seven second delay, twenty five <laughs> second delay. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Uh, there is a 15-second delay. It's good to know. Which is also how I convince them to give me a board operator. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. you got to have somebody with that button. Well, because what I said was, you know, I, we're gonna, it's going to be live callers. I can't be responsible for what the callers do. Uh, I will ask you, uh, listeners, if you are going to call into that show. It's definitely FCC regulated. So now get it all off your chest with us here uh, on the Brew Network. Or save it for us because we're after. Yeah, we're after. So save it and don't. Get me fined <laughs> on uh, on free FM over there. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll put your salary into the negative category. There's definitely a 15 second delay. I will have to rehearse not saying certain things. Um, I don't curse a lot, but it, I like to throw an f bomb out every now and then because I think it's oh, a, yeah. it's effective communication in my book. And you're burping and you're farting and you're talking about <laughs> oh, balls no, and sweatiness and horns and all that stuff. No, that's all fine. Oh, that is. No, you just FCC's can't. okay with that. You can't say uh, what is it? Fuck, shit, motherfucker, cocksucker, dick, tits, <laughs> and goddamn. There's a couple of others yeah, in there. Yeah, it's a seven word. You can say damn, but you can't say goddamn. Oh, right. Um, and I don't use most of those shit, words piss, anyway. Shit, motherfucking tits. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. But now they added goddamn. Oh, okay. Because they don't like the god in front of the damn. So, but I can still say sweaty balls, and I can still burp on the on the just, microphone. Just, just and, uh, change it to hot nuts. <laughs> yeah, hot nuts. I mean, I might not be playing hot titties nuts. and beer at the breaks, but uh, everybody wants you know. to hot nuts. It's great. Yeah, it'll be a slightly different format. In fact, I'm <laughs> slightly. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> you may hear two completely different Brewcaster Js from three to four, and then from five. I'll be. I'll probably be like just cutting loose here at five o'clock. I'll be yeah, so. You're pent up. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll be so oh, uptight. Yeah. I'll, all the intros to the show will be fuck shit, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuck tits. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, but what kind of fun that's going to be. Oh, yeah. It's going to oh, be awesome. Yeah. All right. Does that wrap up those comments? Does it wrap up the show, you mean? No. Oh. we got to do filtering, but I'm going to take a filtering. break. Filtering. Yeah. All right. Filtering. Uh, real quick break. I think it's only about uh, four minutes or so. Um, have, have them throw some quick questions in about filtering. I got a couple for you here already. Cool. So uh, send us your questions. We're going to do filtering your beer with Doc right here 
on the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Excitement. Thanks for playing my song. Oh, you're welcome. It's good, too. It is. One of my favorites. Chicken Boy got his song earlier. I had to play yours, right? <laughs> and speaking of Chicken Boy songs, Contamination Part 2 is finished. It's called Ran Over. Which is why Chicken Boy is here not only to celebrate our announcements, but uh, to play Ran Over for you. Yes. But I would like to recite something first. Uh-oh. <laughs> a little personal. A little, this, uh, a little personal poetry. It's called The Tragedy. Verse 1. Poor Chicken Boy was run over by a skunk named Justin. Justin d- dreamed to be like Jason from the Lunch Meat Show. Together they smiled with rainbows. <laughs> Verse 2. The death and resurrection of Chicken Boy gave birth to 50G. In a heaven made of homebrew and young girls... 50G learned how to love again. No, this is serious. Sorry. (laughs) Very sorry. Verse 3. In the most desperate hour, 50G found himself passed out in a wagon. But Sir Pope Jamil summoned his posse to help his friend through these trying times. With the help of a mouse, a green-blue dragon, and the chicken posse, 50G returned to see that his vision would be realized. Silence, please. Verse 4. The return of Chicken Boy would have to steal the most prized possessions. These treasures, of course, belong to a skunk named Justin. 50G crushed the Vinnie Puppet with an acoustic guitar, drowned Gandalf at sea, and achieved victory by stealing Justin's most favorite toy, Dr. Scott's goat. (laughs) Silence, please. In the final verse... Chicken Boy returns to homebrew heaven and realizes that Pope Jamil was really him. Song, please. <laughs> if you didn't understand what the Chicken Boy's talking about, don't feel bad. <laughs> Neither do I. It'll all come clear in the song, I yeah. think. Here we go. Here comes the motherfucking 50G. We'll break the house and save the mouse with the help of his chicken posse. Chicken Boy was ran over. the same chemical Chicken posse. So, so, 
I'm on acid with Doc. <laughs> place, it's, yeah. a, it's a good place. Yeah. Feel like me and what, what Doc? I'm feeling. I'm feeling good. He's <laughs> <laughs> just smiling at me. It's like, like it's, yeah. a, it's a great tune, but it's very like uh, it's very Stairway to Heaven in the sense that like it's surreal. Like it Doc's goat got stolen by a, a purple a dragon, green blue dragon, green blue. Yeah. chasing the green blue dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Doc's like, what are you talking about? I understood every single word. <laughs> He, he wasn't talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> you were speaking uh, Doc's language, man. <laughs> Doc, you're just smiling, man. Oh. Uh, well like done, tune. chicken boy. I was nice there, funny. baby. I was there. Oh, you you knew about all this? No. no. Oh, you I, was, I was in he the was song. In my, he was in Who my was heart. making yeah. love to you little girls, though? Well, well <laughs> he, was, <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was fine in himself. Yeah. Among Ooh. little girls? Well, yeah. Chick- Chicken Boy dies. Yeah. Oh. And he goes to heaven. Oh, so that's his dream? He dreams. Oh, he dreams of being among and little so he girls. Sleeps, well, he has homebrew oh. forever and a bunch of young girls. Was he like a Muslim? When he dies, he goes up and gets like a, a thousand, a thousand women? virgins? Well, yeah. <laughs> kind of, you know. He's like homebrew. Oh, you know, kind of. <laughs> like a homebrew Muslim. I like the tune, dude. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was good, man. Yeah. It's dedicated to you, Jay. I appreciate it. I, I, <laughs> That's I awesome. Wanna... You're the devil, though, in that song, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm like, yeah, he's gunk. Everyone's got to have the anti-hero. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I'm definitely the anti-hero. Where Doc is just like... Like sitting on a mushroom in some <laughs> green oh, field. Yeah. There's things like flowing behind me that I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Chicken Boy, uh, for that. That's awesome. And uh, thanks for stopping by with us today. You're welcome. Not stopping by, but it's your place, man. Yeah. You got to run though, huh? Yeah, That's why I'm saying all that because you got. I'm gonna go uh, barbecue some chicken with Anna. So. <laughs> some chicken. <laughs> Off to hang with the lady friend. Yeah. Well, Sunny, you know, bacon some chicken. What'd she think of the song? She loves it. Does it bother her that you say motherfucker all the Not time? Not at all. And she loved uh, Contamination 1, too. So Is she bothered that you're dreaming of young girls? <laughs> well, it was funny when she was listening to it. She looked at me. She's like, young girls, huh? And I was just like, trust me, hon. It's just a song. <laughs> you're, you're plenty I don't young believe for, you. You're plenty young for me, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't be worried. We're mean, we're mean you. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you, Chicken Boy. Hey, and congratulations to you, Justin. Hey, uh, thanks very much. Yeah. It's going to be good for all. For sure. I think so. so. When are we going to see you again? Um, probably the Dan Gordon Show. Oh, um, so. the no, anniversary no, show. No, 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 anniversary that's show. after the anniversary oh, right. show. To that one. Anniversary <laughs> show? Yeah, that, that one too. And Nationals. Of course, John will be at the anniversary show. Yes, I will. Uh, when do we get to hear do about... Do we get shirts for that? What? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm getting our logo revamped. Okay, cool. And when do we hear about the Nationals uh, first round? Tonight or tomorrow? I, I'm thinking tomorrow. So. Yeah. Are they post the, about... Uh, Probably next two days. The first posted, round? Yeah. First round. For NorCal, at least. Okay. But Jamil's on it like that. He's quick, so... You just go to beertown.org yeah. to, to check it out? Results, yeah. Uh, probably somebody will email us way before that. Oh, yeah. No, but it's there. It's, it's there, fast. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Are you, oh, you're all nervous about that, aren't yeah, you, John? Very, yeah, very, very nervous. Yeah? yeah me too. Because you're wanting a bunch of stuff to pass through. I well, know you sent a few, too, Doc. Doe's does. 20. Yeah. 20. Oh, you wow. sent 20 beers? Yeah. yeah. Different styles? How many did yeah. you send, John? Wow. You don't want to talk about it? A lot. 43. <laughs> Holy yeah. yeah. I didn't think you had sent that many, Doc. 20. I've been working on it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, pro- it's probably the only competition they actually really enter anymore. Yeah, okay. So. It's the most legit, you know, best feedback. But it means a lot, so it's good for our club, so we'll be That's good. That's like 300 club. entries between the two of you. Between McGill, between McGill, Doc, and I, it's about, yeah, yeah, about 90. So Wow. Our club uh, put in 202 entries out of 591. Wow. What? Yeah, yeah I, really, I really pushed our club to really push the entries this year for our club and our region, and we, we our club put in 202 entries. Yeah. Good work. Well, very exciting. Well, good luck for that. All right. Well, well John, 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 we got some awesome brewers in our club, and you know, don't be afraid to put it out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you guys get the news tomorrow... John, you get with Doc, find out which one. I just want your two. Okay. And Jamil's too. For sure. And put it up on our on our site. Well, Jamil's not in okay. our group. Yeah, he's no longer in the group. I don't care. He's on the he's in the Brewing Network group. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. he's he's in a different region. He kind of had to put it because he's running this region, so he had to put his beers. in So he doesn't region. get the results at the same time. Oh, we, he not might. At all. He might. But oh, I'm he, sure he, he never knows. Jamil, he's Pope. If he gets his results at the same time, I want all three of your results. Post it on our main page. Okay. Just do it on one of the this week things. I'll do the events. All right. That'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be great. Of course, unless we don't get anything in there. So. Yeah, I, I just totally oh, screwed you guys. If that, yeah. if there's no posting by like two days, John, they're all going to think you're a bunch of sucky brewers. That's fine. Well, you're drinking. <laughs> you're drinking one of them. It's a good. This is the one you sent in. Yeah. Which one? What's what style? Oh, that's is my this? classic American Pilsner. You'll be all right. Yeah, it's good beer. Doc makes great beer, so yeah. he's going to do fine. And so do you. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, plus, you upped your odds, didn't you? Just a little bit. <laughs> 43. Yeah, if you play the game of probability, like poker, yeah. you know, you're bound to do something. Hey, you are no dummy, John. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Just cover all the numbers. Exactly. <laughs> all right, I got questions Cheers. piling up. we got to do filtering. All Thanks, right. John. See you later, John. We'll see you, buddy. See ya. All right, uh, so here's the deal. We did finings with Colin Kaminsky from Downtown Joe's. Thank you very much for that, Colin. And now we're going to do filtration with the great Dr. Scott. Doc, you got all your, your plans ready to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This shouldn't take too long. Uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, why should I filter? Well, because my natural answer is because you can. <laughs> I don't right. filter every beer, though. I really don't. Uh, some that I'm going to have around for a lot longer, I'll do those. Some that I want to have done sooner, I will do those, too. If I can get the yeast load off of them a little bit faster, it really just makes come from a green beer to a nice beer a lot faster. Okay. Uh, certain beers you want to do that. They get a lot of wheat, high wheat content, a lighter beer. They're not going to age so well. 
so I, I really want to just really get some of the yeast load out of there. Uh, so let's talk about uh, some ways of doing it. First thing is, you know, if you're you got a lot of haze and and you're just like a sloppy brewer, filtering is not going to be you know your magic bullet here. So uh, try to keep more uh, towards the front end of it, getting getting a better uh, yeast uh, or a better uh, kind of conversion in the mash, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that Colin talked about. Okay. A lot of this comes into um, combination of fining and filtration. So, uh, you know, the first thing I do usually is transfer it to a bright tank, which, again, I cut the dip tube shorter. Uh, I leave it in that at a really cold temperature right out of the fermenter, and it really drops it down. And most of any suspended yeast, anything like that, really goes to the bottom. So when I pull it off of that into another keg, I don't suck all that off the bottom and basically reinfect my next keg with a lot of extra extra yeast. And defeat the purpose of the and bright defeat tank. Defeat the whole purpose. Yeah. So I don't even move the tank. I, I filter it. I, I pump it right from where it is. I don't move it and then transfer anything i don't even disturb it okay so that's a key uh, right. piece of advice right there mm-hmm. Where, wherever you decide to do your bright tank right. make sure it's not moving um if you're doing step mashes you really ought to think about a beta glucan rest at a low temperature and then ramp up if you've got a lot of wheat because wheat has a lot of proteins a lot of things in it they're going to gum up your filter so try to get as much of that out of there as you can uh you can do a rough filtration you know, anything, you know, 10 to 20 micron range. I don't really see that as giving me that much. You can do that as if you got a really rough-looking beer, you can do that, but it's not going to make it really clear and make a big difference. You're going to filter it and look at it and say, oh, what did I do that for? It was a lot of hassle. Why did I do that? If you really want to get into doing something, you really want to get into the 3 to 5 micron range, uh, it's great because it, it gets a lot of stuff out of there. Um, if you're doing the 10 to 20 micron range, it's going to pretty much let a lot of stuff through there except for the really biggest, uh, you know, uh, poly chains and a lot of things like that, the hot proteins, the carbohydrates. Uh, it's going to all come through. So if you get down into the 5 micron range, you're going to see a noticeably clearer beer, it's going to make it taste a lot better because it just gets most of the dead yeast and the dormant yeast cells out of there. And you're just going to get the cleaner flavor just from a 3 to 5 micron range. And really, it does not change the beer much. It's a big, big issue with a lot of people on filtering. They think it's going to strip my beer of flavor, hot flavor, uh, mouth feel, all that kind of stuff. But when you're in the 3 micron range, it's really not going to do that. Uh, so if you're thinking about filtering, I would start at that point, get the beer as clear as you can by doing all the right stuff to begin with, right? And then get in there and see if you, what you can do with a, with a you know three to five micron filter. Okay, let me guide you in this direction based on that from questions I have on the chat room, because just to start with, people want to know what kind of filters uh, you're just talking microns of the filters, which is the uh, how much is allowed to pass through? It's the it's the porous yeah, of the filter. Yeah, the smaller the micron, the tighter the filter. Okay. So this question, very basic, is you know what kind of filters are on the market, and and what's the most feasible for home brewers? Uh, there's the there's several out there. Uh, the main thing for home brewers are going to be your cartridge filters. They look like your water filter. 
Uh, they're a cylindrical cartridge. I don't like those so much. They're expensive. If you're going to uh, filter a lot of beer, three or four cornies, that's going to be great. Um, but I don't like letting them sit with beer in them, and hopefully I'm going to get to the next one. I've gone more towards the the plate filter. It's uh, uh, Williams has it. Uh, that's where I got mine from. B3 now carries it. It uses two flat filters. And it works real, and you can different different micron filters for that. Uh, that works pretty good. If you want to get up into where the big boys are going, then it gets real expensive. Okay. So plate filters, things that you know, different kind of diatomaceous earth, things like that that you don't really need to get into. Okay. And let me take a call real quick here, Doc. Okay. Before you move on. Hey, Sean, you're on the air. Yeah. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going real well. What's happening? I just wanted to call in and tell you that we're really excited about having you guys out at the 2-1-A on the 4th. Oh, sweet. Can you handle all of us? Oh, I can handle you, Doc. (laughs) (laughs) He's in San Francisco. You you, you talked about us uh, brewing this uh, one-year anniversary TBN beer. Yeah. And And I wanted to put a challenge out to the listeners to come up with a style or kind of uh, a uh, sort of a melding of different styles, whatever you want to do, and uh, maybe take a poll or something like that. I don't even know if that's possible. I mean, I know I'm just oh, it's possible right now. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, what, maybe what, I could, what, I, what emulates us? Yeah, whatever, you know, whether, whatever, you know, something like that people might enjoy. I think it'd be kind of like a nice little collaborative effort. I can do that. We can put it up in the forum. We can announce it. Well, you just announced it on the show. We'll take calls at the end and see what we can get. That's a, that's an awesome idea. Maybe even come up with a name or something. Yeah. See, I think that's a cool thing is let the listeners name the beer. Well, yeah, na- name the style and name the beer. Exactly. Uh, that'd be sweet. Now, so are you You're going to actually be able to do this for us, Sean? Of course I am, Justin. You're awesome. I sign the paycheck. I can do anything I want. <laughs> that's great. Hey, and, and by the way, I'm not gonna, I won't spill any beans, I promise you that, but Sean's got some good announcements coming up for everybody soon too, so stay tuned to, uh, 21stamendment.com. I think it's, what, at 21st-amendment? Yeah, dash amendment.com. Stay tuned to that because there's some actually, so, and I, I'm not just saying this, there's some really cool news coming oh, yeah, up, uh, over bet. there, and, uh, hey, will, will they know by, by June 4th when we do the anniversary? Oh, yeah, you, they'll know by, they'll, they'll know in the next few days. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling everybody right now. Should I just tell everybody now? Yeah, yeah. you want to do it right now? Okay, this is what's happening, people, and it's visionary and it's forward thinking, and I want everybody to get on this bus with me. Forget whatever you thought about canned beer before because it's all about the change. We're putting our watermelon wheat, yes, a fruit beer, but a natural fruit beer in a can as well as a 7.5% 75 IBU beer in a can. Yes. Oh, yeah. No light. No light going to hit that puppy. No light. Better steam. Better travel. Yeah. Access yeah. issues with, with, can, with bottles. It's, I like to sit here and talk to you about it for 25 minutes, but I know you're in the middle of your... Uh, your filter talk. Well, I do yeah, want to talk about it for a second because here's what's so awesome. Well, there's a lot of things that are awesome about this. Uh, one of them is that, Sean, you guys don't even distribute your beer as of yet. So it's not as if you're making some, oh, the next step. You guys are jumping right into the new thing. You know, you're, you're, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I've been working on for the last year. I've been researching. I've been up to Kent, Washington, in Seattle, looking at the can technology, out to Oscar Blues and... Uh, in Lyons, Colorado, and talking to those guys about doing it. And it's just the most amazing thing. It's the last 
packaging possibility left for microbrewers. The, the big boys have held on to this for so long, it's time for us to take it back. Yeah. It's, uh, there's 25 microbreweries in the country that are doing this, and it, 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 it's time that the rest of us stepped up to the plate and made it happen. And for us to look at the can as a different thing, people always say to me, well, it tastes tinny, and it's got all this Right. Yeah, maybe just a metallic flavor. Not the case. Uh, so don't, be afraid, don't be afraid of the can anymore. Don't be afraid of the can. I tasted one of them, and, and he's right. There, there's no tinniness whatsoever. And listen, here's what I want to say. Like, Just think about all the times that you went to the beach or you went boating or you went to the, to the park for a barbecue, right. and there's all those no-glass rules. Out by the pool. Right? And so if you didn't have exactly. your, your keg of homebrew and you just wanted to bring all this craft brew, you couldn't. You had to bring whatever else you could find in a can and let's face it it wasn't anything good and i i cannot wait to grab a yeah. ipa in a can uh, exactly it, wait a minute a california ipa no less <laughs> in a can and take it out to the beach i'm stoked man right and i really you know, it's, one the, it's, it's one of the things where people kind of like they think that you know they they have some trepidation but for everybody out there who ever got into home brewing to make weird and fun and exotic beers, this is just another way. It's another part of the whole thing. Exactly. First craft brewer in California to do this? No, actually, I'm not. Oh, you're not? <laughs> it's so funny because more and more people are getting on board. I'm like, the, I, the circle gets smaller and smaller. I'm the first craft brewer in the Bay Area. There's a guy. Okay. There's a Brett Cooper, uh, Cooper writer up in, uh, what's his last name? Up in, uh, Ukiah Brewing Company. He's been putting his children in a can. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, it's awesome. It is no awesome. Idea. It's fantastic, Sean. Thank you. I saw, you know, you know what else is cool? Look at, he's not doing it. He's not shipping off his beer. The quality is not being compromised here. I watched the guy canning it myself. He's not, <laughs> he's not taking tons of beer and shipping it off to some, you know, canning line somewhere that could care less except for about putting out a hundred thousand cans. I stood there for an hour. Uh, I didn't do a damn thing, by the way. As, <laughs> as Sean and his crew canned each by hand, you're, you're dipping a can. You got to sanitize all the stuff. You got to make sure everything's right. One by one, they canned each individual can of the watermelon, yeah. and not compromising any quality, and 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 really making sure that in the beginning here, and and putting it out for the first time and introducing it to you guys, he's doing it right. And I, I gotta say, I really gotta admit, I'm like a highly critical person usually. And uh, when Justin was talking about the beer in cans, and I got to 21st Amendment, was lucky enough to try it i was really skeptical because a beer out of a can and i tried it and the first thing i noticed is you cannot taste the can you just don't it, it just tastes like out of a bottle just like a regular normal beer it's fantastic and i had to ask sean right away about this technology what's going on with that yeah it's so great what it's like lined with cat guts or something i, I can't remember no, what no fish guts or anything like that uh, <laughs> no it's, it's a water it's a water-based polymer that they spray into each can and uh they actually change the level setting depending on what is going in the can. This is done up at Ball Manufacturing. It's a huge, big company. When they run these cans, they do about 1,700 cans a minute. You can't even see them go by. And, w and when they spray the, the uh, coating on on the inside of the can, um, it's actually less than what they would do with, like, fruit juices and stuff like that. So. Oh, right. Man, that's good. It's, it's good news. It's good news. So when the I mean, I'm tell you, I mean, just to get kind of... And I, I'm, I'm down here at Barclays right now with uh, Steve, my assistant, and boy. Uh, Bruce Todd and the beer chef having a uh, having a week because it's sunny. And uh, I got to tell you, I woke up the day, I think the day you came in, Justin, and uh, I've been doing this for five years. 
First Amendment. And I felt like I was just, it was like a new day. And that was it. You and I had that conversation. Yeah. Sean, is that, he, was like a, he was like a little kid. And it kind of <laughs> revamped. It was like Christmas morning. You know, Doc, you, 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 when you're in business for a while, right, just like Sean is, he's, he's been doing it now, and he's been a brewer, and he's, and he's done his thing, and he's a successful brewer. And 21st Amendment's a great place and a cool thing. And, and you get into it, and, you, and, that, and it's a bit of a routine. Not that he doesn't love it. It's tough to get excited. And then, exactly. and then something comes along where it changes everything. This is a whole new avenue. And I was looking at Sean. It's funny because I went to Sean to announce the free FM stuff and the CBS radio, and he's announcing to me the canned stuff. And neither one of us can get a word in. We're so excited that we're <laughs> we're like a two idiots just bouncing around the Twenty First Amendment. We're so happy about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of gay, wasn't it? It was a little gay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're floating around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be so awesome. The anniversary show at that place too. It was the first time this week when we went went to the ball game. You got a great place there, Sean, too. Thanks, Daniela. It's really nice. I really it like it. Good. It was actually good seeing you guys there. I'm glad you guys made it down. Cool. Plenty of room. You, Plenty don't of room. worry about uh, if you guys are thinking you're going to have to stand in line. Uh, I hope you do, because <laughs> that means we really got a lot of people. It's a big, big place. It is. Yeah, come on down. It'll be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll try to put some of the anniversary beer in a can, too, and Ooh, see what happens. That'd be sweet. Hey, uh, would you post that blog site on the forum so they can check out the canning thing? Yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah, he's, somebody went with them and just took pictures, a good Internet blogger, and, and did a great report on the whole process. So post that in the forum so our listeners can look at the whole deal. I will do that. All right. Sounds good. Uh, hey, good right, luck, guys. and we'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks for inviting us out there for the anniversary, man. You bet. Looking forward to it. All right. I'm going to find out what the beer is you're making. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, let, just let, let me know how you want to do that, and uh, we'll just be in touch, and uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Sounds great. All right, guys. Later, see you, buddy. Sean. Take care. Have a good night. Good dude. And uh, let me just say, a uh, a strong supporter of the Brewing Network. Oh, yeah. uh, and he's not, uh, uh, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, he's not paid a bunch of money for us to say nice things about the 21st Amendment. Uh, he's just been so supportive and helped us introducing me to, to, every time I go to an event, he'll make sure he introduces me to somebody I haven't met yet so that we can get them on the show for you guys. And that's a lot of Sean. He's just he spends time doing that kind of stuff. He's a good dude and uh, a good place. And well, and it's a great place. Aside from everything, aside from liking Sean, it's a fantastic. Um, well, how do you call it? A, a brew it's, pub. It's a brew or, pub because he yeah. does the food and the whole bit. He's yeah. got the brew pub. It's awesome. Okay, uh, Doc, can you get back on track? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, we'll try that. I can start. We were just talking about the different kinds. You were saying not to use the carbon filters necessarily. Uh, cartridge. The cartridge filters. Um, I like it. You can use those. People, it's kind of like a lot of different uh, brewing stuff. Some people like them. Some people don't. I like the plate filter. Uh, they're easier to change. They're cheaper. Beer people are cheap. Hear that? Cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, like me. Well, that's... Kind of I am too. You know, I, I try to find the best way that I'm going to do it. It doesn't have to be the cheapest way, but you know what? I don't want to spend a lot of money uh, doing things unnecessarily either. And cartridges cost a lot more. And when you're changing, if you're going to do five gallons at a time, you know, you're going to do one cartridge or you're going to do one set of plates. And it's a lot cheaper to do the plates. Okay. And you can change out for different sizes on those ones. So so basically we're, we're getting into the sizes. 
three to five micron range is great for people that don't don't pasteurize their beer and they're not subject to market abuse. Market abuse is is that kind of thing where they get jo- it gets jostled around, it gets a lot of light, it gets a lot of heat. And most home brewers they're pretty good about it. Yeah, uh, they they keep their stuff cold all the time. Uh, we were drinking some of my stuff that's been solidly at about thirty five degrees for over a year. Right. And we drank oh, three of them, and they're they they weren't at their peak, but you know what? They're still doing good stuff. Uh, they they still worked, uh, but um, I think the the rationale here is uh, one week at uh, about ninety degrees is the same, or one month at ninety degrees, or one week at ninety degrees is the same as one month at about sixty degrees. So it ages your beer a lot faster. So you're going to get a lot of things. You're going to get haze later on, too, uh, because some of those tannins and uh, proteins are going to link up as time goes on. Your beer is going to get hazier over time, which is a lot of reason why a lot of uh, uh, brewers that are going to put their, you know, distributing their stuff out there want to keep it clear longer. So they're going to not only do finings, uh, they're going to do filtration, they're going to do pasteurization pasteurization, all that kind of stuff, just to keep their, their stuff fresher longer. Because they don't know where their beer is going to be. It's going to be on a hot pallet someplace. Uh, they don't baby it like we do. Right. Uh, you know, when I brew something, that's my baby. I know where it is all the time. I know what temperature it's at. I know exactly what I'm going to do with it every time. Uh, it's not so much that when in the national marketplace. So uh, if you're going to do... Most stuff, I think you'd be fine doing it at three to five microns. You're not going to change the beer flavor that much. So all that talk about changing the beer flavor, stripping flavors out of it, this and that, all you're going to do is clear the yeast load out of it. It's going to make a lot better tasting beer a lot faster. But the yeast does have some flavor, so you're altering the flavor, right? It's got a nasty flavor. <laughs> okay. It's, it's got a yeast bite that you don't want. Okay. If you tasted a beer real quick, real fast, it's got a yeast bite to it. You let it settle yeah. for two weeks. Most of the yeast drops out, mm-hmm. and it tastes better. Okay, so every single one of my beers has yeast bite, and... Every right. single one of yours doesn't, because <laughs> yeah. you age it for two weeks. Yeah, at least. <laughs> okay. So that's, uh, that, that's one thing. And so by filtering that, you're going to get that out of there. By filtering it very cold, as Colin was talking about, you're going to get the chill haze stuff. At cold temperatures, they're going to bond together, form the colloidal suspension, hmm. and big chunks. And then you can filter out the big chunks. So if you're going to filter, filter cold okay. on top of that. Uh, if you're going to be doing something that you want something uh, distributed beer uh, for shelf life of lots of months, uh, you want to do a one micron level filter. But you're going to be stripping some things out of it at that point. So you got to think ahead of that, boost your hops, uh, boost a couple, of, boost your mouthfeel, kind of thing like that. If you're going to be filtering that, it's not a, not really a, a home brewer kind of thing. Okay. Um, if you want to do, a lot of people talk about sterile filtration. That's an alternative to uh, pasteurization. You really want to strip everything out of there. You got to think yeast are pretty big bugs. Mm-hmm. And they're easy to filter out. You can filter most of those out at you know one micron or maybe three microns. You get most of the yeast out of there. Bacteria are little dudes. 
Okay. Really little. And you're going to need to go down to a half micron filter, a sterile filter, get that. And you're still not going to get all of them out of there. Gotcha. So if you want your beer to last a long time in warm temperatures, you're going to really want that down uh, at 0.5 microns or less. But you're not going to still get them out of it. To really filter all that out of there, you're going to get 0.22 microns. Wow. And that's got to be so slow. That is. And you can't do that all at once. You can't just go, oh. Justin's beer, it's cloudy. Let's throw a 0.22 micron filter on it. It's going to gum it all up. Gotcha. You're going to have to do at least a two-stage. Okay. You're going to have to do a rough filtration and then go down to that, if not a three-stage if you want to. That's pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, but you're going to strip a lot of flavors out at that point. But And, and that's just for, for – you're talking maybe long-term storage. Well, I'm talking about the big boys that want to have something on the shelf for a long time that looks good. Right. That lasts a long time. As an alternative uh, to pasteurization. Right. Okay. So uh, and most of the big boys do both. They pasteurize and filter. Okay. Um, when you've got – when you really want to have something to last a long time on the shelf, what Colin and I were talking about is that where the tannins and the proteins uh, connect together and make big things. After a while, that all happens at a later stage. So all that goes up. So the haze keeps increasing over time. Yeah. So as your as your beer ages, it's getting hazier and hazier and hazier. So as you're fining, you're going to take out either the polyphenols, which are the tannins, or the protein side of it, one or the other, so they can't combine to make the haze gotcha or you're going to filter out later on or do a do actually the best thing to do is do both uh do all your stuff when you're brewing do it all right in the mash and the sparge get all that through uh do your findings as you need it and then go ahead and filter at that point okay and that's going to make your beer most of all we talk about oxidation all that kind of stuff is Beer staling and how it can last a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, if you want something to last a lot longer, you got to do a lot of things to make it do that. Some beers aren't going to hit their peak for three or four months, but on the same time, their freshness is going down. The freshness is, you know, heading into the toilet. Yeah. And the haze is going up, and oxidation is going up. You okay. Know? So you got to try to work those out. I gotcha. So right. it, it, this is all stuff near the end. Okay. And things you want to take into account about whether or not you're going to filter. Right. You don't have to filter. But I really, at, at three to five microns, a lot of people are really worried about stripping beer flavors out, and you really don't have to at, okay. the, at that that level. And for a home brewer that doesn't pasteurize things, that drinks it pretty quickly, I really think that a three to five micron filter is going to be more than adequate. But you uh, need okay. to do this stuff ahead of time. And with a three to five, do you have to do it in steps, like you said, with the really small one, or is that a, is that well? Fine? If you're really sloppy at the beginning and and uh, leach a lot of tannins out, right? Uh, deal with uh, you don't get a good modification in your mash. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna get gummy things. If you got a big wheat beer that's got a lot of proteins, a lot of beta glucans, yeah, you're gonna gum up your your filter really quick. Okay. So if you can get all that out of there to begin with and do all the things that Colin was talking about, mm-hmm. about getting your beer, thinking about it ahead of time. Yeah. Working it through, making the best beer you can to begin with, and just finishing it off with filtering, that's really what you want to do. Okay. Well, let me give you a couple questions from the chat that have to do with the plate filter, and then I got a couple about some other filter types for you. Um one is if one is using a bucket on a carboy for a fermenter, a bucket or a carboy for a fermenter, 
Isn't there a problem with running your beer through a filter without using some sort of a, of a pressure to actually force it through the filter? Yes. There is. So you need some sort of a pump. You pretty much need two, car, two car cornies to really get it to go through. You really need a positive pressure to go through. So then you would just pressure one corny, corny with the CO2. And with the filter in the middle. Gotcha. And, and and filter into the next one. Okay. So not a pump, but pressure. There's a lot of different ways you can clear your beer a lot easier. Cold works really well. Right. Gelatin findings all works all really well. All that findings we and talked pr- about. And pretty much all that will make them a lot more clearer than you're used to. Okay. And before you have to go throw one in a filter. Yeah. It's probably a lot of things you can get done before you have to do this. Uh, certain beer types uh, really do need to be crystal clear. Right. Uh, it's only three points on the BJCP guide, but when a guy's looking at a cloudy pilsner, yeah, uh, he may put one or two points for beer clarity. Sure, and all things being the same, but he's looking at you know what he's going to grade everything else down. Just it's, we're human. Well, or he might, you know, everything really could be the same on the beer, and and that three points could push you over the edge. Well, it could be, yeah, it could be that, but I'll bet it drags you down a point or two every other place Hmm. because they just know that a pilsner is supposed to be really clear. Really clear. Uh, You get something, you know, uh, one of the Belgian beers, a wit, maybe a bearded guard. Yeah. They know it's supposed to be hazy. Right. Not a big deal. Okay. But uh, there's certain styles. Cole should better be damn crystal clear. What is the line resistance between the receiving keg and the sending keg with a plate filter in between? Generally, what I like to do is I like to have it have almost a gravity feed. I've tried it where there's the side-by-side and just doing the pressure. It's about a um, four- to five-pound pressure on the, on the pushing keg, and the receiving keg is just open. Uh, I usually have it filled with CO2 because when it fills, I want it to fill into a CO2. Yeah, when you say open, you mean the top on it is? Actually uh, I, I just opened the uh, pressure relief the pressure, valve. Okay, but right. it's it's already filled with CO2. Okay, so whatever's going in, it can splash all at once. As long as it's splashing within CO2, it's not going to pick up oxygen. Oh, gotcha. So, but what I found is if I put the the first tank, the primary tank, high, the filter in the middle, and the receiving tank low, mm-hmm. it goes a lot faster and a lot easier, and I don't have to push so hard on the pushing tank. Okay. All right. And and hold on to that CO2 tip about the receiving one. That's a great idea right there. Anytime I transfer something, it's always got CO2 in it. Okay. Uh, it doesn't matter. You can splash beer all you want in a carboy as long as the carboy is filled with CO2. Okay. You won't, get, you won't pick up oxygen mm-hmm. as long as there's CO2. And CO2 is heavier, so it'll stay in there. Okay. This person wants to know, do I need one of those fancy plate filters from B3, or will the canister filter from the local pool store work just as well? And is by canister filter, is this the cartridge deal you were it's talking a, I, about? I'm not positive on that one. Okay. Um, if he's talking about a pool filter, it's like a house filter or water filter is what I'm talking about with a canister. Okay. Uh, it's probably five inches diameter by you know a foot long kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, and it's got a cartridge in it pool filter come in lots of different things okay. um, a lot of different the sand filters diatomation earth filters there's a lot of different pool filters out there and uh, I think we were talking about last week with, yeah and, with, and, with pool, and, we don't want to use a diatomaceous earth that is good enough for a pool filter right 
So it needs to be higher quality. It needs to be higher quality on that. Although there was some praise for the for the earth filter, but it needs to be higher I, quality. I think you really need to be filtering a lot of beer to make that one work. Okay. Uh, okay, this one wants to know then, is a 10 micron carbon block enough to remove most of the... Okay, this is a water filtration one. Okay. Uh, most uh, To remove most of the chlorine from municipal water. If it's just chlorine, yes. Okay. Uh, if you've got a new... One thing is you've got a new filter, mm-hmm. run about 10 gallons through it because okay. you're going to get a lot of carbon chunks floating in there. Ask me how I know. Um, <laughs> you can ask me how I know, too. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I filled my mash tun with it, and I'm looking at these black things floating around in there because I had a brand-new carbon filter. Yeah. Uh, let it run a good 10 gallons, and then probably everything will set, and then you can run it in there. Hey, uh, speaking of black things, where's Token been, anyway? <laughs> Sorry, I just thought about that real quick. Is he in the chat room tonight? <laughs> I'm not answering your offensive questions anymore. No, Token knows. I know he knows, but he—I don't know—he hasn't been around. Maybe he's busy with his. Uh, what he, what's he doing again? Army weapon immigration stuff. He's working for. He works for the Army government. Weapon, I know. Army weapon immigration. immigration stuff. <laughs> he's guarding the border. I love that combination. <laughs> okay, sorry, I just got curious about that at that oh. moment there. Um, okay, let's get back. To, if it's just chlorine five, it's chloramines. No. Okay. Then you have to treat them chemically. Okay. Uh, does the speed at which it flows through that filter impact its effectiveness? Uh, to a point, there's a diminishing return on that one. Okay. Uh, mostly at most uh, household pressures, which are less than 50 pounds. Most. <laughs> you try. You, you should check that. But usually most houses are about 40 to 50, 30 to 40. 30 to 50 pounds, you're probably okay. But you don't want to then maybe, you know, regulate it to turn it way down? You see what it, I'm saying? It, it goes into diminishing returns. You turn it way down, it's not going to help it so much. Okay, so you maybe want it... And, and it has to do with that particular carbon block filter. Yeah. Uh, ask the manufacturer what the maximum flow rate is, and most of them have that, have that available to you. And then do you want to run at the maximum flow rate? No. 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 Uh, it, again, I would go somewhat less. A little bit less. Okay. And a 10%, 15% less than that would probably be fine. Oh, stop that, Dave. <laughs> this person on a... On a <laughs> this is a very interesting question. All right. <laughs> Can I put hops between the plates of my filter well, to yeah. make a Randall device? That is it, interesting. Damn, that's nice. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was a good question. Man. <laughs> Hops in the middle of the Randall. The Randall is what, Doc? Oh, it, it's, it, Randall is, is, is turned into something that we, we're all trying to get more hops in the beer one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, dry hopping, first wort hopping, whatever we can do. And a Randall, it takes the beer out of the keg. In, and between the keg and the serving faucet, yeah. it runs it over hops. Okay. And it runs it over that. Man, that's a good idea. Yeah. So now, because is there a, there's a space in between the two oh, yeah. plates? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The there's, there's, pro- there's probably, it's, it's probably a 12-inch diameter plate. And yeah. it's probably a good inch and a half between. Oh, that's plenty of room oh, for yeah. hops. Oh, yeah. So what do you, so you don't know the um, answer, but it sounds like a good idea. I, I worry about it maybe clogging up the filters, but yeah. damn, that's worth a try. Well, that's, may, that's, wor- that's cool. Yeah. Maybe you use a larger filter to get the flavor, and then right. you filter it again to get the clarity. Yeah. Because you're going to get some, you know, the hop constituents are going to yeah. come out of there and going to make it cloudy again anyway, but. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good <laughs> idea. That's nice. Who asked that, Daniela? That's a. 
That's a great question. One of our smart listeners. Well, who was that, That's a good idea. I, I, wanna I cannot disclose the name. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's top secret. I would have to kill you I'm guys. impressed. Yes. I didn't even think of that. I don't even know what this says. Well, uh, that's how uh, how they typed it in. Drunken keyboards. It's not my fault. Drunken. It's not Oz. <laughs> it's it's got to be Oz. I don't know. <laughs> it says, and I'm going to read it as it's, as it's written. It's called CPEP. Okay. okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Can you use your, it's Y-E-R, can it's you fine. use your CPAP <laughs> for a pressure filter? Mm, only only if I'm trying to, like, push it with my mouth. Okay. Like, like the guy that was trying to, like, aerate his wart with his mouth. Yeah. And about passed out. Yeah, I got a positive pressure nasally, and then I can push it out through my mouth. Yeah, okay. it'll work. Oh, here, I'll, I'll save the Randall question. That's, we'll put that in our question hall of fame right there. That's an awesome question. <laughs> <laughs> the Hobbs question. Okay. Um, that's about it here. A very basic question from somebody, and we're happy to take these. This came through earlier when Colin was on. I just didn't want to ask then. Uh, is filtering the same as aging? Does it? I guess maybe does it get the same thing done? Yes and no. Okay. Different things take place. Different things age. take place at different times. Yes. Uh, most beers are clear. You got to look at what what's going to cause the haze, and that's what we talked about at the beginning. Uh, at first, uh, when you're talking about um, a yeast biomass, uh, that kind of thing, that's going to fall out when the yeast flocculates, and it's going to get a clearer beer. But if you got a lot of high proteins or a lot of high tannins. Over time, that's going to go up, and your beer is going to get, as it ages, it's going to get more hazy. So, yes and no. Okay. So there's things you got to do ahead of time before to, to deal with that. Okay. Off topic, what does it mean to crash the secondary? Oh, that means when you want to, uh, you, you take your secondary, and you put it into a very cold atmosphere very quickly. And you, you drop the temperature fast. And what the yeast do is you just huddle together like you would if you got stuck in the Antarctic. And and you, you clump together. Anything that clumps together, as we were talking about with, with uh, Colin, it's tendency to drop out. Yeah. So the yeast clump together, they drop out. And that's what you want to do when you crash it. There's certain times you want to crash it and certain times maybe you don't. Right. Uh, but if you're just trying to do it to clear your beer, once you get to your final gravity where you want to do it, uh, put your put your fermenter in something cold, uh, your chest freezer or whatever it happens to be. If it's probably, um, you know, 35, 36 degrees from whatever you were, the yeast will just freak out, clump together, and drop out, and you get a you get a clear beer real quick. Okay. Okay, we've got a caller coming in here, too. Uh, another off-topic question. I don't know if you'll know this or not, Doc. How many Camden tablets per gallon to treat for chloramine? Um, I think it's one tablet per five gallons. Okay. I think that's what it is. One and then you got to let it go for 24 hours. Okay. It'll off-gas that way. Did you guys talk about diatomaceous earth filters versus plate filters? Yes, we did. A little bit, yeah. Gucci mm, is just making sure that you did. Well, just just keep it. We didn't talk thoroughly. Keep in mind that it was said a couple of weeks ago on the water show that the diatomaceous earth uh, for for pool filters is not adequate for. You really need to get a better, higher quality filter. Mm. Diatomaceous earth is fossils, like mm-hmm. very tiny fossils. Uh, that they mine, and you can filter things through it. 
pool water, whatever, but you need a finer quality for that to work for beer. And at the size of that and what you're going to do, and you can back flush it and use the same thing again. You can use the same medium again, but it's a lot of trouble yeah. to do five gallons. Right. So I would say stay away from that. Don't just hook up your pool filter to it. Right. Hey, you know, and there's there's definitely there were things mentioned about why it's good to use that sort of a filter and different sorts of filters, but I I think what, the reason Doc is focusing on the plate filter is the same reason he focused on gelatin as his fining agent, in that it tends to be just a little bit easier and more readily available for the home brewer. It's easier. It's cost effective all the way around. With uh, icing glass, you have to really deal with preparing it. Yeah. Uh, with gelatin, it's not so hard. Yeah. I've, I've turned a lot of people onto that one, and that wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, we got Bub on the phone, but hey, I Bob. want to uh, remind. Also, we forgot to, we have not done uh, Bug Eaters tasting. Is he in the chat room? He used to be, and he still is. Uh, would you prepare that for us while I'm talking to Bub, and we'll do the Bug Eater tasting, please, Daniela? Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like my CBS staff, oh, but you don't get paid. <laughs> oh, you, you call me one more time, your staff. I'm gonna kick your ass. Your people. I love By the way, Doctor Scott, if you want to get in touch with the person who had this great idea about the hops in between, his name is Danny W. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Danny W. There you go. Bub, you're on the air. What's happening in Ohio? Oh my God, this place sucks. <laughs> hey, so you're coming out for the uh, anniversary show then, I take it. Oh, I only wish. You, you won't be coming back, you know that, right? Yeah, I know. And, yeah, because my wife would kill me if I tried. Yeah, <laughs> why? What's what's so bad in Ohio? Because oh, well, it's started, round in the middle? Know, and I, I had to go right to work, and then I just got off work. Apparently on Sundays, like, everything closes at, like, noon or something. Oh. It's the Bible Belt. It's like belt. Salt Lake City. If I yeah. had three wives, I wouldn't be pissed. But oh. I absolutely pissed hey, off. It's the Bible Belt. So you got no oh, beer? I think I just found a bar that's open. <laughs> but I mean, even, like, I, even, like, the, you know, big chains that you'd think would be open past 10 o'clock, no. You know, like, Lone Star, you know, like, I want to be a shit kick or whatnot. But yeah. if they got beer, they got beer. Uh, but, oh, my God, it's terrible. But I may be one of your most unique listeners today because I've been driving around with my little Verizon network card and my laptop looking for bars listening to you guys. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> hey, is that illegal? <laughs> looking for bars? That is great. So you're actually uh, driving and listening I'm live. I'm sitting in a car outside of a allegedly open bar. <laughs> that so there's is... people walking around in it. So as soon as I'm done yapping at you people, I'm going to try and get my drink on well that's awesome that's great news I, I recommend you run your ass in there before they close <laughs> run yeah, I know. I'm, I'm gonna walk up and the big bad guy's gonna be like no i'll close oh you're gonna have to plow right through so, then but you, you can get past that you can say, please i haven't had a beer in six hours i'm, I'm out of town yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna I tell you right home. now Bub, I could not survive in that sort of an atmosphere my friend oh great if i would have known i would have knocked off where i've been like dude yeah i'll be back in an hour yeah. I'll get a six-pack or something. Yeah, what Jesus a... Christ, this place is fucking drier than, <laughs> I don't know, Arizona or something. Yeah, drier than Arkansas. Wow, what a mess. <laughs> All right, well, well you, I'm glad you found a bar. You need not... And Loof is not even home to bring me homebrew. That bastard. What's he doing, driving a train? I guess he says he's sitting in a crappy hotel for work. I think he's... Notice I didn't say pull. <laughs> Notice I didn't say pulling a train. Yeah, very different things. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> he probably is pulling a train. Oh, <laughs> poor Lufa. <laughs> well, Bob, I wish you luck in your crusade. I hope that bar's at least got something decent on tap. I doubt it, but uh, <laughs> it'll work at this point. You know, right? in anything, right. man. Yeah, anything. Yeah, any port of storm. That's what Lufa says. <laughs> hey, and I agree. I will take anything at that point too. Thank you, Bob. So, what do you think, Bob? A O L A W O L. Uh, January 4th? Or July 4th? What do you think? <laughs> June 4th. June 4th. I, I doubt it. Oh, come on. you only got to be gone for two days. You can come back and swear that you were drunk and your memory is gone. I will I will talk to the wife, but I highly doubt it. There's got to be cheap flights out of there. Yeah. I imagine there's an exodus going on out of Ohio right now. Well, I'm not normally in Ohio. Oh, you're not, oh that's right. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, there is an exodus from here. <laughs> All right, thanks, Bob. I hope we see you on June 4th uh, the, the off chance. But uh, if, if not, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to set up a, a call system just like we have here so that you listeners can actually call in and hang out That'd with us, too. That'd be sweet. So, cool, Bob. Thanks, buddy. All right. BubWeb.com, Bub and check out the Secret Santa we got going on. You can find it in our forum. And, that, and thank you for doing that, sir. All right, buddy. I think you dropped out before I even did that. All right, so what we have here to wrap up the show is uh, Bug Eaters Homebrew. What are we drinking, Danielle? Well, as I'm a nice girl, I'm sharing this Dunkelweizen with you guys. Boogie T said that it was just for me. Oh, this is your private stuff. This is my private stuff, but I'm still sharing with you guys because I owe Dr. Scott a lot because of the magic he performs on me, so mm-hmm. I'm being nice. <laughs> because of the party in your mouth. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so you guys go ahead and try it. Oh, she had nothing but smiles on her face. It's I a bet. Dunkelweizen. All right, so this one is not our evaluation beer. This is Daniela's gift that yeah. we get to try. Thank you very much for that, Boogieter. Boogieter. <laughs> That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's very nice. That's a really good beer. You we like have, that? We have the recipe specifics here, too. If you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer. Um, okay, I want to know what the sulfate content was in his water. The yeast he used is Bavarian wheat. <laughs> <laughs> the grain bill is Pilsner wheat malt, Munich malt, and chocolate malt. Okay. Mm, some formula stuff. And What's his uh, final gravity? What's it? Does it or his alcohol content? Do I don't know. I'm gonna look it over. They're gonna look it over. Uh, this is really a nice. It's beer. very good. No, it's a smoking yeah. beer. Yeah. yeah, great. It is it's malt. A great. Uh, a little bit of heat. Uh, ain't no Budweiser, baby. No, this is. Uh, I like it, man. Good yeah. job. Very good. And uh, plus, he made his own labels. Well, uh, and he has uh, fridge magnets and everything. It's uh, so Jack, awesome. Jack was just pointing out, you know, he had a pretty high OG. Which is it, what? Uh, about mm. 1057. 1057. Okay. And he finished low at about 1010, which is nice. Yeah. You can tell it's crisp. Yeah. It's nice for a big beer like that. It is. Crisp is definitely a good descriptor for this because it kind of, you get all that flavor. Oh, and then it. That's what I want to know clean. what the sulfate level was in this in the water. Oh, because it has the effect on uh-huh. it? Okay. Yeah, it really makes it crisp and, and clean like that. Gotcha. Nice beer, buddy. Well, I Dr. Scott, you if you distribute this one, I'll go and ask him in a chat room what his sulfate content in the water were, or what do you mean? He, if, he, if he even knows. Now, this one that you're handing to Doc, right, this is actually the one that now, Bug Eater sent it to us a while ago, and exactly. it, was, it was a good beer, but we felt that it had an, 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 some sort of infection mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And we asked him, but we said, hey, the base is great, so do it again. Again, 
And he did, and sent us the bottle of the doing it again. Which I love that he did that. Yeah, we've done that a few times. This is the first one we've gotten back where they, you know, asked for advice, took it, and then sent it back to us. And that's really cool. I like it. Right. And just good to kind of spread the and word. And here's about the according recipe sheet if you want to read of that. You can give that to Doc there. Can, can mm-hmm. we get rid of those, whatever's in those glasses, and I can pour this into those? Yeah. Oh. We're running Ch- out of chicken, glass no, here. Chick- we got chicken, so many no, chicken boy, I put those glasses out there on purpose, and Chicken Boy didn't finish his, his beer. Chicken Boy. I, I did like the guy. song, though. And then he left to go hang with his girlfriend instead of drinking beer with us. You know what that means. He's growing a vagina. He's growing a big... Never mind. <laughs> Big Friday wood vagina. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna leave it that. I'm practicing for my, for being on the terrestrial, and I have to stop saying things like big hairy vagina. Uh, what shall I ask? Sulfate content. Oh, uh, what was the sulfate content? Did he add gypsum? Is what I want to know. Gypsum. Yes. A great beer. So the one that we're trying now. What style of beer is this that he sent in before and has this, redone it? This is supposed to be the rye cream ale. Uh, with rye, you're going to get a spiciness out of it. Yeah. I, re- I really remember tasting this one because we liked it a lot. There yeah, just we did. Was, we liked the idea of the recipe and everything. There just was something happening there. So uh, you guys made some suggestions, and, and here's the next one. Uh, it's I'm, I'm, gonna look, I'm looking at it right now, and, and being that it's the, clar- the filtration and clarity show, I'm going to have to mention, uh, definitely particles in suspension. Uh, unless I just got the very bottom of the of the no no, no. We're, all, we're all the same. Okay, I, I tried to uh, pour it well, so so um, I failed uh, without tasting it, no flavor profile or even smelling it or anything. Um, if you're going for clarity, then um, maybe some finings could be done on the next batch, just based off today's topic. That's all I'm saying. Uh, did you taste it yet, Doc? Of course I did. <laughs> Doc, like, he's like, he hardly looks at the things. He's like, mm, good. Now let's look at it. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Goes right the opposite. It's got a, re- a lot of residual sweetness to it, and you got to get that from a lot of things. The malty smell, but get the spiciness from the from the rye. Yeah. Which offsets any kind of sweetness. So it's, a, I like the balance of it. Uh, the balance is good because it's got a lot of sweetness to it, but the rye has a lot of spiciness. Which brings that into uh, scope here. It's definitely cleaner than the beer he sent us, and I, I'm I I would even go so far as to say it's it's clean. Doc, yeah. you, you tasting anything funny in there? Funny? No, I'm just I'm looking at the haze, trying to wonder what what's causing that. Um, I'm thinking the flake corn possibly. He okay. agrees that it is hazy. Okay. Does. Yeah, and I think it's the flake corn that's doing that because uh, Doc's looking at his recipe. So. Um, my cap is the same thing. I used a lot of flake corn in it, and it a lot, lot. But hazy. you filtered it. No, I didn't filter that. Well, the one you're drinking, I didn't. Oh, okay. No, and, and it came out a lot hazier than I wanted it to. So uh, that probably had something to do with it. This one's hazy and chunky, though. Yeah, but it's nice. It is not. It doesn't taste bad. I'm just talking imper- uh, appearance, uh, solely appearance. It it does taste good. I do uh, taste that rye spiciness, and you know where I taste it the most? Where I just burped it back up. <laughs> <laughs> it twice. You got it twice. Even, it's even spicier the second time. Yeah, to, to, just to be. Honest. And that, that's what the cool thing about rye is. If uh, if you've got a certain mm-hmm. beer type, rye can accentuate that really well. Okay. The the aroma is great. 
Oh, I, this, I really like mm-hmm. the aroma of this beer, Daniela. You're smelling it Ooh, now too. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Oh, it she'll so like the taste of it too. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really uh, I don't know if I can use this nice. word with aroma. It's a really flavorful aroma. There's a lot going on just in the smell. It's not hops necessarily. It's not rye necessarily. It's not corn. Wow. Nec- there's a lot of things in the aroma uh, there. Wayne, wow. this is a smoking beer. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Both there of you them go. are two good um, beers. Uh, filter this one. Uh, it'll come a lot cleaner, a lot faster, possibly. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with this at all. No. You should call it. You fixed it. Yeah, Bug Eater, if you want to call, we'll be on for another oh, couple yeah. of uh, minutes. He so, uh, answered a question about the sulfur. It's 36 ppm. Sulfate? Sulfates, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, on the first one. Huh? On the oh, the first uh, no, but did he add gypsum to the first one? That hasn't been answered yet, unfortunately. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie dear, please call one in. Because this one I don't notice it so much, but the first one with the, uh, was that Wheatbach, Hefbach? Mm-hmm. Uh, that one that was Dunkelweizen. Really, yeah, that, that was really sharp tasting. I think both of them are really good beers. Mm-hmm. Great beers, Bug Eater. Nice work. Dude, and you got a winner here, man. Yeah, thanks for sending those in. Really appreciate it. We got another one to taste when we're back on the air, which, uh, by the way, we are not back on the air next week. Uh, we're going to have to wrap things up, guys. We're working on over three hours. and uh, We're going to do Captain Kangaroo? Uh, no, we're going to save Captain Kangaroos because uh, it's late in the show, and I'd rather do it when people are uh, definitely still hanging out and, and wanting to hear all, Not that, hammered. all that good business. Yeah, uh, I think we're just I, – I, plus, I just want to go start drinking, Doc. You know what I'm saying. Oh, here. you brought me special beers. Got a couple of goodies in the fridge there. and Excellent. Going to have some fun with that. So, uh, All a, good. A, a nice show, I thought, everybody. Colin was great once again and, and just did a real good job. So so go back and, and listen to that findings discussion that we had there and then Doc wrapping it up with filtering at the end in case you, you don't get it done in the, in the findings. And remember, that's what Doc said. The best way to do this is to, to find the beer out as best you can. And deal with it at the front. If you got kind of hazy questions <laughs> about but you're kind of hazy about things uh, ask me in the forum I'll probably go. answer it for you and of course you can go to doc at thebrewingnetwork.com and, and, and get him that way too it goes right to his inbox caller you're on the air oh uh, yeah this is Wayne hey, hey Wayne, Wayne man glad you called uh, so we tasted uh, your beers and uh, I'm sure you heard there uh, wow good stuff man oh thanks you're, you're, you're doing a great thing um you got to turn the volume down in the background there, if you would. Yeah, please. I just did. Okay. Uh, so we'll start with the with Daniela's little special beer that you sent to her. She shared it with us, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody had one word to say about it except "Wow." Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was it was nice and crisp, sharp. Yeah. I, I would say sharp. It's a good good word for it. It, it was good. Lifted right off the tongue. Yeah. Just great beer. I just I'm, I still got a little bit here and. Uh, no advice whatsoever from this peanut gallery, my friend. That's a good oh, beer. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, that one's really nice. Okay, and then the one that you sent in previously, your your cream rye or your rye cream. What do you like to call it? I usually call it the rye cream. Okay. Uh, you know, we liked it the last time, except for something wrong with it. We didn't know exactly what. This one done right. It's clean and nice. Uh, it's you only, like that one. Only the clarity is the only thing anybody had anything to say about. Yep, that's uh, kind of what I thought. I figured it was probably the corn in it. Yeah. Now, both the the first time I sent that, I discovered I had some gunk in the uh, picnic tap I used for bottling it. Ah. These two were the first two beers I bottled using my beer gun. 
Gotcha. No problems at all with that. Oh, yeah, it was very nice, very clean. All right, so it sounds like your process is just right. It was just a little equipment deal then. Yep. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, this is good stuff. Now, do you use finings at all in your process? I usually toss a little uh, Irish moss in there. You do? Okay. But then no filtration? No filtration. Me neither. All I do is I just do the Werflock dealy, and then that's it. And then I'll, I'll hope if it lasts long enough to uh, to chill out <laughs> with the crash, and that's it. He drinks out of the fermenter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is definitely a high-class homebrew, I would say. Yeah. Both of them are. Yes, they are. I will agree. Have you sent any of this, uh, these two particular batches into competitions? Uh, not these two. I sent a... A uh, Belgian double in for the regionals. Haven't heard back from them yet. Oh, okay. I think we got about another week to tell on that one. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little sneak peek. In, in a couple of episodes from now, I'm gonna be announcing a homebrew competition that the Brewing Network's gonna be involved in. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have any of this stuff left, save a bottle because I I would love it if you would send it into that competition. I'm not gonna announce it yet. You'll have plenty of time to do it. If you happen to have a, either of these two that you sent us left, uh, save us a bottle to send into that competition. Okay. Well, I've got the Dunkelweizen. Okay. Perfect. Because I think it could do real well, my oh, friend. Yeah. That is a great beer, and. Uh, oh. I'd love to see some Brewing Network guys uh, win some awards in that competition that we're going to announce in a couple of weeks. Okay. Cool. And, and then you're also the first guy to to, uh, to send us in one and then uh, kind of take it and then send it back and see how it was. I appreciate that, sir. Well, I well, thank you. It's great. You guys also, I also sent in a uh, bottle of cider for the cider yeah. show with that batch, too. And it, it has remained in the fridge. I'm taking good care of it, sir. It will. Oh, okay. We will definitely taste it on the cider show. We're going to have one of the biggest cider companies from around here, the Two Rivers guy, is going to be in. And uh, I appreciate that, too. I read. It's cool. I, this is, and, and, Wayne, you did it right. Wayne did exactly what I have kind of said you guys got to do when you send beer. He labeled every beer. He, he sent their recipes for the beer, and he told me exactly what to do with each style of beer. And I like that. Yeah. I, I really like that. Be a dictator when you send me your beer, and be specific. He said, this one's for Daniela. This, was, this is the one I sent you before. I've redone it. And this one's for the cider show. And it really can get confusing around here in my refrigerator as I'm trying to take care of these beers. So, Wayne, you did it right, and that's the example of all you guys who want to send us beer. Do it like he did. And the fridge magnet is on our fridge. Yep. We got your magnet, I've buddy. read the magazines already. Browse <laughs> through them. That was really nice of you. Thank you. Nebraska, right? Right. He sent Daniela a bunch of nice magazines about Nebraska so she can get to know the rest of our country. You should get to know it too, dude. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing to say. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate all the good comments about it. It's good beer, Bug Eater. You deserve it, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. I'll see you. That's cool. It's a good guy. Nice guy. Nice Nebraskan sending us good beer. All right. I'm going to get out of here, huh, kids? Good show, everybody. A couple of announcements just so you guys know what's happening. There is no show next week. None. It's going to be May None 7th. More. Doc is out of town. I'd be, I'm going to be in the uh, south, so I'm going to be at the Southern California Homebrewers Fest. Yeah. Uh, what? Lo- yes. You're not going to Boonville? No. Well, then I'm not going either. <laughs> okay, you come with me. You can go by yourself, Justin. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I'm going to be at the Southern California Homebrewers Fest, so if you're going to be there, look me up. Look up Doc. He'll be there. You can find him. Come on. It's easy. He's that. He's, you, you see his uh, little... Flaming weapons. His little, his little <laughs> picture guy in his forum post. He looks exactly like that yeah. guy rubbing his ass all over the table. You can find him. That's Doc right there. <laughs> Uh, Daniela and I will be at the uh, Boonville Festival, I'm pretty sure. And uh, the fact is, look, we need a Sunday off. We've, we haven't taken one off this year, I think, have no, we? We've been going straight through, and uh, I need a break. And and then coming up a couple weeks after that, adding the other show. So uh, a little break for you next week. And then also keep in mind that there is no show on the 28th, which is Memorial Day weekend as well. We're not going to be doing a show then. But you do get two great shows in between there. You get Ray Daniels coming in the 14th. When awesome. We, when we come back, our next show we do, which is May 14th, the great Ray Daniels will be on with if us. If you got any questions about building the beer, put it to him. <laughs> That's right. Building Great Beers is the book that just gets praise around here. I've never heard a negative word about it. And then on the week after that, 21st, is actually the Cider Show. And then it is the very first show that will be on 106.9 Free FM. If you're not in California, in the Bay Area, you can go to www.1069freefm.com and tune in that way. It's from 3 to 4 on the 21st, uh, the same day as the Cider Show, which will air at its regular time. And then, of course, the very last announcement for the night, the anniversary show, June 4th, 5 p.m., potentially broadcasting a free FM show with that one, too, from 3 to 4. But the set in stone is June 4th, 5 p.m. We're going to do a post in the forum about you guys picking what beer is going to be our anniversary beer. Ooh. How cool is that? That's I, so great. I think we have a, a poll would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. We'll do that. So you guys... Uh, I think we'll, a, a double watermelon porter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do two polls. We'll, we're going to do one that lets you decide the style. Okay. Now, I want you to look at 21st Amendment's lineup before you decide the style. Okay? Don't throw this guy a big curveball. He's, he's, he's inviting us down to his brew pub. He's going to kind of rush to make us a beer he right can't, now. He can't do a barley wine. Right. Yeah, so... So I want their blonde. They make a great they blonde. They make a great blonde. Oh, I just had their pale ale. It was real good. Mm. Blonde. Look at their lineup and then kind of base your uh, your your suggestions around that, guys. Because <laughs> don't throw the guy a big curve. He's doing us a, a real nice gesture of, of brewing a beer for the Brewing Network. But, but you know our listeners. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm just trying to contain it to maybe a smaller grouping, right? I think he knows our listeners, too. Yeah, he knows what's coming the up. The song is it? over. What a long extra. I put up. I put it up twice. Yeah, watch. Here it comes again. Give it. Uh, oh, dead air. Five more seconds. Ah, sure. Dead air. All dead right, air. I gotta go and watch The Sopranos now. Oh, you've got another half hour. But I gotta get ready. <laughs> That's true. It is coming up. And then we'll do the other poll that lets you name our beer. That's what I was getting at. Two polls, one to pick the beer, one to name the anniversary beer, and that's when we'll see you there. Old blue balls. So please. And I think Doc's dangerous draft. <laughs> that's nice. I like that. <laughs> oh, Justin, damn you. <laughs> damn you, really. Please plan to be there on June 4th. It's going to be a great time, and we're doing it for you guys. And so, meet uh, us in Boonville. And meet us in Boonville. That's next week on the 7th. We'll see you back on the 14th. With Ray Daniels. Thanks, everybody. Have See a good ya. night.
Love of that home brew can't get no 